0: We go and grab a quick bite, we watch a movie then fight, we're the Fast Food Film Friends. You're listening to Fast Food Film Friends. I'm Nathan, my gracious co-host sitting right across from me is Kevin, As we're gathered here today for a very special episode as we count down our favorite films of 2019 while chowing down on all seven varieties of Arby's slider sandwiches. Oh Nathan,
1: I am so excited, this is a big day. Uh, you know, we, we, this is our second time doing a top 10 episode. We did it mm-hmm. last year. Feel free to listen wherever you're listening to this same place. It's there. I've been tinkering with my list up until you hit record. Uh, I still want to tinker. I want everyone to know that my top 10 list is not final by any means. And it will be changed throughout the rest of the year.
0: Kevin has,
1: um, three veins that are, oh I think burst or on the verge of yeah. bursting in his forehead. You kept... Telling me like we plan to do this at 630 tonight and I throughout the day today at like four hour intervals you kept texting me like you know what can we make it a half hour later can we make it a half hour later and I kept just being like yes and I realize now how much of a curse that was because you gave me two extra hours (laughs) to sit in front of a list of I had I had it narrowed down to 21 movies today. And I was like, I need to get this down to 10. And now it's up to 30. Oh, my God. I did add one, actually. <laughs> but it is it is so challenging to do. There are so many movies. And so many good movies that came out this year.
0: Absolutely. So
1: many good. Like, I feel like last year, it was a pretty easy to get it down to 10 that were standouts. Mm-hmm. This year, I cannot believe how many phenomenal movies there were. And how many movies just absolutely blew me away. And maybe it's because I'm seeing so many more movies than I used to.
0: I had the exact same experience. This is my third year of trying to, you know, see as much as I can and mm-hmm. of making a list when the year comes to an end. This is by far the hardest, at least of those oh, years, to, to, to narrow it down. Usually, like, what I'll do, I log all my movies on a letterbox. That way I oh, can, man. at the end of the year, go back and just look through them all. mm mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll go through, I'll sit down, and I'll make a little short list of movies I think could make my top 10. Yeah. Typically, that short list is, is like 15 movies. This year, it was 25. Yeah. We'll go through our honorable mentions, you know, once we're done with our I top have. 10. But, like, my 11 through 17 are all movies that... I thought for sure would have ended up being one of my favorites yeah. of the year. And yeah. I'm just like, there's no room for them on my list because there's so much good I stuff. Went,
1: I went back and listened to some of our old episodes, some of our nimble news, to try to remember what I had initially said about things to gauge my initial reaction on some of the movies I saw a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, early in 2019. And there were so many movies that I said, I guarantee this is in my top ten, or I almost guarantee this is in my top ten. And a lot of them aren't. And I looked at my list, and this is when I started tinkering and, and developing schizophrenia and going insane. Uh, you know, with a, a podcast of my own voice playing while I try to tinker with this You're list. You're yelling at yourself? It was. Oh, it was a scene. How wrong could I have been? I'm glad I was home alone. Yeah, just just tough. But, you know, it's not about struggle today. Today is about celebration of great films, celebration of great foods That's that right. we've eaten. Um, celebrations of some of the worst things we've saw and eaten as well. Um, just celebrations of... Uh, you could say extremes, extreme good and extreme evil. Uh, And we, we like to, you know, it's an event. It's an event. We like to pop some bubbly. Uh, We're both wearing tuxedos. And this is becoming one of my favorite traditions. I've been oh. looking forward to this night for so long. Absolutely. Other than uh, Christmas morning, when we both wake up from our bunk beds and run to the Christmas tree to unwrap what Mama and Papa left us, our matching jammies. This is our. This is my favorite day of the year. And you know, this
0: year has been great in film. It's been great for our podcast too. Like oh, yeah. I just, I just want to look back, take a second to appreciate <sighs> what a year has been for us. We got. An award. Yeah. We got, you know, the, the Isthmus Mad Faves Award for Best, Best Podcast. Podcast in Madison. Yeah. We hosted our first live event, which oh, is Nathan. so much fun. We hosted a QA with a screening of the outsiders at mm-hmm. a local AMC. Mm-hmm. We brought on some guests to do our first annual summer movie wager, which yeah. is a great time. And believe it or not, in like three to four months, it's gonna be time for round two.
1: It is, which yeah. is crazy to Very think soon. about crazy to think about. Uh and you know, we've just uh yeah, we've been having fun with that. And we have to
0: give a huge thanks to everyone who's listened to us this year, everyone who supported us. Yes. It means so much to us. It's the reason we do this. Mm. Although I
1: think you and I would do this even if no one listened. I absolutely would. I absolutely would. But it's a good thing we're decently funny, I suppose, because some people do. And, you know, for those of you who do listen, like he said, we can't thank you enough. And for those of you who buy merch and give us reviews on things... We love you even more than your standard listener. You have bought our affection to a higher extent than our normal listeners. We
0: are complete shills, and we thank you eternally. Yes. Now, today we'll be eating these seven sliders from Arby's. We'll be eating them intermittently, you know, between picks. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kevin, why don't you tell the listeners about these seven flavors we'll be tasting.
1: I cannot believe Arby's has seven sliders right now. I'm very excited about it. As fans of the show know, we are Arby's fanatics. Mm -hmm. This will be the sixth time we've done an Arby's-themed episode. Correct. uh, Which is far and away the most of any fast food (laughs) restaurant. The seven sliders, we've got a roast beef and cheese, which is their classic thinly sliced roast beef and Swiss cheese. Chicken and cheese, which is a crispy chicken tender and Swiss cheese. Pizza, which is pepperoni, Swiss cheese, Genoa salami, and roasted garlic marinara. Man, they really lean on that Swiss in most of these. They sure do. Ham and cheese, which is thinly sliced pit-smoked ham and Swiss cheese. Buffalo chicken, which is that same chicken just dipped in spicy buffalo sauce and topped with Parmesan peppercorn ranch. Turkey and cheese, which, Nathan, take a guess here.
0: I'm going to say turkey and, uh, help me out.
1: Gouda. No, okay. it's Swiss. Interesting. It's Swiss. Thinly sliced turkey and Swiss cheese. And then jalapeno roast beef, which is diced, fire-roasted jalapenos. Thinly sliced roast beef. And, of course, Swiss cheese.
0: And uh, per recommendation from Arby's headquarters, what is the wine that we'll be pairing these with?
1: We'll be pairing this with, uh, I went to the liquor store today. Uh, I got the most expensive bottle of champagne I could find for you. It is a 2019 Andre. Uh, it is a, a just a beautiful dry brute champagne. I can't uh, wait. Very excited. I am uh, participating in – did I say most expensive – I meant absolute cheapest. I meant absolute cheap. I get those confused. I get those confused a lot. I am participating in dry January, so I will be having a little bubbly of my own, which will just be buble. Well, that's why you got water. dry wine. That's right. It is dry. I did see a hashtag today from Perrier, the sparkling water company, it was trying to get Make dry fly trend, and it was not trending very hard. It was like, make dry January fly.
0: Not cool. On, a, on last year's top 10 episode, you and I briefly discussed some New Year's resolutions for 2019. Did we? And uh, you resolved to drink less alcohol. Hey. Which, it took you a year.
1: Yeah. But you're finally there. I resolved- Technically, I didn't last year. <laughs> I just want to make that very clear.
0: I resolved to eat more vegetables. Yeah. So, one of us is doing great, mm-hmm. at least right now.
1: Yeah. Have you eaten more vegetables?
0: Um, I'm about to have some jalapeno with this there roast beef, which yeah, I right. think qualifies. That is. Before we get started uh, counting down our list of movies... Just a few disclaimers. You know, Le- the, Kevin and I's lists, they're separate lists. They're not agreed upon. They're yeah. not objective. We don't try to be. They're just, we, do
1: not, we do not communicate with each other either about our lists. Not at all. So these are surprises to each other. These
0: well. are just our personal favorites. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as simple as that. And our yeah. list consists of movies released in 2019 that mm-hmm. we saw in 2019. Correct. Obviously, you and I are not physically capable of seeing every single movie released in a year. No. so. Are there any movies in particular that you were not able to see in 2019
1: that you kind of want to call out that won't, that you think may potentially have made your list had you seen them? So fucking many, Nathan. So many. I mean, I didn't see Climax. I didn't see The Souvenir. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is getting a lot of praise right now. I didn't see Ford versus Ferrari. Haven't been able to see 1917 yet. Cats. Neither of us have seen Cats yet, which is an absolute shame. Which is surprising. Absolute shame. Richard Jewell. I didn't even see El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, which... Could have maybe made my list. I actually never, list got ra- never got around to that. Oh, you didn't. I thought you did. No. Uh, the report to Pope's Jumanji Two. I mean, these are all things that could have easily made my top ten. And I, I you know, I apologize for not seeing. Them. And did see Harriet Queen and Slim Ready or Not Diane High Life.
0: I think, uh, for me, 1917, mm-hmm. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm-hmm. A Hidden Life. Hidden Life. And, and Bombshell. I've been hearing not great things about it, but I'm yeah. still interested in that. There's a few documentaries I've heard good things about, like Honeyland and like One Child Nation. Yep. I'm, I'm kind of trying to check I didn't out. see
1: American Factory either, which is bumming me out. Also, I mean, and when you brought up A Hidden Life, there's a lot of foreign movies that I couldn't see, which right. really bummed me out. I mean, Transit is getting a ton of praise. Birds of Passage. Uh, Obama loved Atlantics. Um Pain and Glory I think you saw that one. I did see Pain and Glory. Yeah. And, and what what sucks is that like
0: we live in like a mid-sized market and yeah. so basically if these movies get Oscar nominations they'll mm-hmm. probably come to a theater near us yeah. but we haven't really had opportunities. This is how it yeah. goes. But uh we do our best. We do. And during our discussions of our top ten films, we will not be doing any spoilers. Um, if you, like, really don't want to hear a single thing about a certain movie, just skip ahead a few minutes. I understand, you know. Just go forward. We'll be past yeah. it pretty soon.
1: I don't understand. See the movies we're talking about before you listen to this.
0: Come on. All right, what do you say we uh, pour this bubbly?
1: Oh, pop that bottle, big man. Twist it. Ooh, top ten, 2019. And there is a hole in your ceiling. Hold on, let me pop my bubbly. Just wow. as fun, Diet spray. Just as fun, it is Buble Lemon Sparkling Water. Can't tell which is which; they're both bubbling.
0: Here's to a great year, Phil. Mm. Great year of friendship. Mm. Great year of recording our friendship. Every single word. Great year of food. You forgot that one.
1: <laughs> food was one okay. Of the it's in okay, yeah, that's fair. Ooh, that is not as good as champagne. And
0: that is not good champagne. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, Nathan, before we get into our list, two things. I really want to bring in to play the recency bias, which we talk about pretty consistently on here. You know, The, right. the more recent you've seen something, you know, the more likely it's to be present in your mind when mm-hmm. you're thinking about these things, which messed with me. It's exactly why if A Dog's Way Home would have opened in December instead of January, it probably would have been number one on my list instead of right. number two. Um, Oscar buzz, all that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that plays a big part and it. it really messes me up. So I'm sorry if my thing seems a little... You know, tainted towards the end of the year. I did just want to give you my son's top five movies of the year. What's here? I had him make a list. He saw 16 2019 movies this year, which is pretty good for a seven year old. Yeah. Uh, his top five. You're gonna love number five. It was Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker.
0: Yes, I have no qualms.
1: Big Star Wars fan. Really loved Ray Skywalker. He he just keeps running around <laughs> saying Ray Skywalker. <laughs> Number four was Lego Movie 2, which I honestly thought came out two years ago um, <laughs> right. and threw me off. Number three, which honestly, this almost made my honorable mentions, was Spies in Disguise. This movie surprised the hell out of me and was actually very good. Will Smith's best role in ages. Um, his number two, Detective Pikachu. Mm. I thought was a very good choice. Very good choice. Uh, and his number one uh, that he denoted with a smiley face, none of the other ones got smiley faces, was... Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home. He's yeah. big into drones and big into Jake Gyllenhaal. So that's a seven-year-old's top five of 2019. Great taste.
0: we got to get him on the show next year. Mm. Can you see PG-13 stuff yet?
1: Uh, I've been letting him get in, in there, yeah. He prefers NC-17, but he, he'll, he'll settle for his PG-13 every now and then.
0: All right, I'm going to start us off with my number 10.
1: I'm so nervous, Nathan. What if my order's wrong?
0: My number 10 is Booksmart.
1: We have to go to a party tonight.
2: What? Nobody knows that we are fun.
1: We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another one. Susan B. Anthony. God
2: damn it. This. I'm a bag of
0: chips. It's directed by Olivia Wilde. It's about two best friends played by Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver, both of whom knock it out of the park. Oh, their chemistry. I think it's without a doubt the funniest movie of the year. And even though it it starts with kind of a cliche teen comedy premise, where it goes from there is so refreshing and fun. And like, even when it does at times kind of use the tropes of a teen comedy, it does them so well that it still feels one of a kind. Yes. Like, in particular, I'm thinking like Every one of these movies has like a scene where the main characters go on some kind of drug trip. Mm -hmm. It's like the one weird scene. (laughs) This movie has one of those, but it's just so funny and creative. I love it. And I was laughing out loud through this whole movie in the theater. And on top of how entertaining it is, it's got a wonderful message about just seeing the best in others. And it's all about breaking stereotypes. And everyone in this movie is so lovable. Like main characters, side characters, cameos. There's so many. Mm -hmm. I wish I could have gone to this high school instead yes. of my own
1: oh it makes high school look like the best thing on earth in mm-hmm. this movie i absolutely love this movie it is the hardest i've laughed at any movie this entire year so that definitely means it's the funniest the writing the directing i think this movie is one of the best edited comedies as well mm-hmm. um just so well done and like you said the chemistry between the two main characters is perfect
0: for yeah, this movie. you could perfect. watch them all day
1: you literally could you can watch this movie over and over again it's on hulu right now just so good so damn good it's a great number 10 nathan it's a great what number is day. your number 10 My number 10 is the peanut butter falcon.
2: You let a half-naked boy with Down syndrome who has no idea how to get along in this world just slip out from under your nose. You two are close. We are. Well, then you'll figure out where he's at and you'll bring him back. Are you following me? Maybe we could be friends and buddies, bro dogs and chill. Have a good time.
0: Sitting the wrestling school's maiden? Yeah. One long road leads all the way down. I'll drop you there then. I'm looking for a missing person. Have you seen him? That little man in a lamb. Make your girlfriend back there, Eleanor. Two bandits on the run. Oh, yeah. oh yeah! Rule number one, don't slow me down. Rule number two, I'm in charge. Hey, what's rule number one? Party. No, not party.
1: Streaming currently, uh, I think, on Amazon if you pay for it. I got it from my Netflix DVD subscription, which I would highly recommend everyone get. Uh, It's great. You can get these movies that are hard to find. This movie was absolutely gorgeous. Did you see this movie? Mm -hmm. It is so gorgeous, and it seems you can smell like the salty ocean air when you're watching it. It is so real and raw and just dirty. It's not... Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it's a movie. It looks almost like a documentary the entire time. It is so I don't want everything to say is like
0: covered in like a texture yes.
1: you can see. Like yes. That. And it is just beautiful. The acting is so great and I usually hate Dakota Johnson. Don't think she's good at anything. Um and I actually like her in this. The soundtrack's amazing, the message of kind of brotherhood and bonding. There's scenes in this movie that are just so touching and Shia LaBeouf. In one of his best performances of the year, his other movie, Honey Boy, uh, which we might touch on later, I'm not sure, he's also great in. But I thought him playing a kind of redneck down south uh, in kind of the swamp is the perfect role for him. He is so good in this movie. John Hawks is also amazing. I was very emotional in this movie. And it there's twists, there's turns, there's it's just a completely original movie. And I absolutely loved it so much.
0: I think that's similar to Booksmart. It's just this like small group of characters who are just so fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Like their character dynamics, you just want to hang out with them. It, it kind of feels like almost like a, I don't know, like, like Huckleberry Finn's the right word. Yeah. But like that kind of just a kid's adventure book Yeah, what this feels like. It
1: is. And I can, I can see it as like a children's book, you know. And you know these wide shots in this film that are just so beautiful. I can see them illustrated in a children's book. It's definitely not a kid's movie. It, there's it's, it's, there's some very adult themes in it, but it is so good and just uh, a very emotional, touching movie. I think a lot of the movies I picked this year are ones that affected me emotionally yeah. the most, uh, which I guess is the sign of a good movie. So I mean, I
0: think that there's a you know there's something to be said about the the psychological lasting effect. Yes. You know, I think that if I go through my list, it's definitely ones that I thought about oftentimes for maybe they change the way that I see. The world in some way or another, rather than just kind of admiring, you know, the filmmaking. Yes. Now, speaking of, you know, touching on an emotional level, what do you say Mm. bust into those uh, first Arby's sliders?
1: Yeah, let's just, let's start doing these things. They're not going to be good. Sliders are never good from fast food restaurant, is what this podcast has taught me.
0: All right, we are starting with the classic roast beef and cheese. I figure this is probably Arby's, you know, bread and butter, so to speak, (gasps) except it's bread and roast beef.
1: Yeah, the um, smells coming out of that bag of seven different sliders, 14 different sliders is... (laughs) quite something bread now
0: these these buns are like the size yeah. and shape of like a Hawaiian roll but it's just a regular you know Arby's bun um, feel
1: a little stiff
0: a little bit yeah I think this is a pretty hefty uh serving of meat on here it's, that. it's dangling off yeah. Ooh, that was nice. <laughs> let's go for it all right
1: the bread's a lot softer than I thought
0: it's dense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is an extremely low bar But these are already the best sliders we've ever had on the show. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Subway sliders are like eating a coaster compared to this. I mean, I don't know if I can eat seven of these.
0: We're going to (laughs) have (laughs) to. I was a little worried about the ambition of uh, eating seven sliders. But uh, after seeing how much meat is on just the first one, this is going to be a daunting task.
1: It is. It truly is. They are much more heavily stacked than the subway shitty sliders.
0: I'm going to declare that this is our last mention of those awful Subway sliders so mm-hmm. that we can focus on positivity mm-hmm. and new experiences heading into the new year.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, those buns really uh, fill in the crevices in your mouth. Mm-hmm. That's for sure.
0: I should not have had a full steak dinner two hours ago. I
1: had a big sushi big sushi dinner, so we're nailing it. A little surf and turf. <laughs> surf and turf and sliders, baby. American classic. Should we just do two? Should we just do two? I kind of want another one now.
0: I think we need to alternate. We, right. there's, there's already less sliders okay. than there are in right, movies. All right, so all right, all right. I'm already kind of being strategic about, I'm planning on eating all the ones that have roast beef or chicken, because those are Isn't that kind all of, of their best meats. But there's like the ham, oh, the, the turkey. turkey. Mm. Those maybe I can get by with having a few bites, but. I'm only going to have is, a few bites
1: of all of them. because This is too good. You're insane. This is too good. You're insane. It's not that great. That one is a five for me on a scale of one to ten.
0: Speaking of things we disagree on heavily.
1: Yeah. You will strongly disagree with my number nine pick, so I'm excited to get to it.
0: Well, I was being sarcastic, because my number nine is The Lighthouse.
1: Ooh! Ooh!
2: What made your last keeper leave? He believed that there was some enchantment in the light. Went mad, he did all tales but daddy let neptune strike ye dead winslow
0: this movie is about two lighthouse keepers who live on a remote island taking care of a lighthouse for months while they try to keep their sanity and they don't do a very good job of it. <laughs> uh, like I said in our full review that we did a few months ago, this movie is basically—it's uh, like a two-man play. Mm-hmm. It's very contained. It's a—it's a two-man character study. Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are acting their hearts out. Oh my god! It is weird. It is hilarious, and I will wonder what on earth it means for the rest of my <laughs> life. The director Robert Eggers. Is an undying commitment to historical accuracy. So as bizarre and surreal as this movie is, it will transport you to 1890 in yep. every conceivable way. Like they wanted to use uh, camera filters that existed at the time, but they couldn't find any. So they rebuilt them and he wanted the dialogue to be authentic. Yes. So he found actual journals from White House keepers of that era to use as inspiration they tried to find a real life lighthouse that suited the needs of the film, but there weren't any, so they built a lighthouse. They dug up a real life lighthouse keeper and called him Willem Dafoe.
1: That's exactly right, Nathan. They fucking did. That's how, his performance in this movie has to be one of the best of the year.
0: It's one of my favorite, yeah, bar none. Oh, it's it's so wonderful. It's so authentic. This movie is so visually striking, and yep. I cannot get that ending out of my head. Oh
1: man. You know, I think we said when we, we, we have a full episode or a mini episode on this, which is essentially a full episode. Uh, Things are out of hand. <laughs> and I said in that every single shot in this movie is a beautiful portrait that you would want hung on your wall. Maybe minus two. Um, it is <laughs> such a beautiful movie. It's black and white, but just so well done. And just the, the performances from both of them are amazing. And Robert Eggers is clearly a genius, and I'm very excited to see what he comes out with next. This movie did not make my top 10 list and it was very hard for me to not put it on my top 10 list because I love it. But I love it. I just don't know. I don't know. I couldn't put it on my top 10 list for some reason. I was very close to. Yeah,
0: like I said, I've got so many movies that if you ask me to defend why that movie is number 13, I couldn't even tell you. It's like, I just loved it, but I just love this other thing more. Yeah. Too much goodness this year, which is a great problem to have.
1: Too much goodness is right.
0: What is your number nine, Speaking
1: of too much goodness and things you disagree with, and once I say it, it's out of the box and you can't tell me not to. My number nine is Little Women and Midsommar, a Florence Pugh combo pack. I had to do a tie, Nathan. I know you're going to be mad at me. I'm very sorry. I couldn't do 10, and I needed both of these in my top 10. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> I found a common theme, at least.
0: I do appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, if I re- the only reason why I'm not disqualifying you and leaving your apartment right now and canceling this episode <laughs> is because you chose such good movies. Yes, Nathan. Yes. And so I'm I'm ready. I'm
1: here okay. for whatever you're about to take me into. <laughs> so let's hear it. I knew you were going to be very upset. Let's start with Little Women. Um, I think... I were you familiar with the book? Had you read the book? No, not at all. Neither had I.
0: My my uh sister and mom had like yeah. watched the movie growing up. So I like I was like vague, vaguely familiar with yeah. little bits and pieces here and there, but no, not really. Yeah.
1: So I had I had not read it either. I had no idea. I think I was surrounded by a theater full of people who knew this story very well. Mm-hmm. Um, Florence and Sertia are both so amazing in this. Of course, Timmy C is just absolutely brilliant in this movie as well, but Greta Gerwig directs such a emotional movie and it's done so well. I mean the the kind of juxtaposition of the childhood scenes to the adulthood scenes, it's all the childhood scenes have this nice warm, you know, orangish hue to them while the adult scenes are all kind of this cold blue dreariness mm-hmm. and it is so well put together. The writing is phenomenal, all of the performances are great, but I think the three people I've mentioned are really the standouts. Just surprises. Like I was surprised so many times in this movie. Yeah. Um and it's just it's it's a movie in which Obviously, a ton of things happen, but it feels like you're just part of this family, and it's so warm, and you want yeah. to be part of this family. That was the word that kept
0: coming into my mind: is like, how is this movie so warm? It is.
1: So it was shot
0: on film. Yep. The the score by oh Alexandre Desplat, oh. one of my favorite composers. Mm-hmm. The camera movements, ever like the, the the costumes, everything. Yeah, it is just so. It is home. It is family. Yes, like it is it is just like love yeah this movie was made with such love
1: it made me just want to go up to my parents and be like why did we not grow up like this why why am i not a famous writer why was i not raised in the 1850s (laughs) like tell me why dad why weren't you off in the civil war (laughs) it was uh, just so good just so good all around i have no complaints about this movie Mm -hmm. honestly none and it's a there's so many things that can go wrong with an adaptation like this of a classical work. Uh, you know, the writing can be overdone, the acting can be overdone, the costumes or sets can be too much. But everything just fits so perfectly. It even made me like Meryl Streep, and I don't do that. She's she's really good. There are two movies this year that made me like Meryl Streep. This one. And the laundry mat on Netflix, which I also love. Yeah, she's
0: name. very good in that also. Uh, but and, yeah, in and, and Little Women, she's kind of cast against type. Like yeah. she's this is not the kind of Meryl sleep role you typically see. Mm-mm. She's yeah, she's very good. She's like such a everyone has that aunt yes. who just says stuff that you're like,
1: just stop talking. Just yes, goddamn it! And like, that's Does she have her to come every year, <laughs> right? Uh, and she's I, perfect at that. And I think one of my favorite parts of this movie is the costumes were just amazing. I think again, mm-hmm. it's put Timothy Chalamet in any period piece. The guy just rocks. It. he plays like the that that era playboy like so well. It's astounding. I I loved it. Um, and speaking of warm, kind of fuzzy movies, Midsommar. I think kind of the same vibe. You know, just it makes you want your family to be just like no. Um, Midsommar would be the complete opposite of Little Women, and I'm sorry to do two at once, Nathan. I know you're very mad at me right now. I can see the smoke coming out of your ears. But again, Florence Pugh with one of the performances of the year. Uh, you bought me the pin of her screaming face for Christmas, which is on my backpack. And that I way you can it. see it every day. I love it so much. It makes me remind. It reminds me every day of how much I love this movie. Visually, I think one of my top two most visually beautiful movies of the year. Astoundingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Ari Aster is a master. Oh, I didn't even. <laughs> what a We may be the first to realize <laughs> he that is a master. Um, the plot is the story is incredibly original. Obviously, it's. Traumatizing yet beautiful, it is so depressing, but kind of hopeful in the end. It is just a sordid tale, and it is a wild ride. It's like a mushroom trip combined with like a bad love story combined with just a I don't like a cults vibe to it. There's so much that happens in this movie. It's a long movie. But it is gorgeous, yes, it and is. absolutely gorgeous. And if you have not seen it, I would highly recommend. If you like Florence Pugh in Little Women, you're going to love her in Midsommar.
0: This is, <laughs> I mean, this is her year. And oh. like, I mean, next year she's in Black Widow, yeah. And she's, in, I forget what else. Like, she's got some big stuff coming she's up. She's coming in. But man, hot. like, there's there's a few actors of this young generation mm-hmm. I'm very excited about. Her yeah. and Timothy Chalamet are yes. two of my absolute favorites. Yes. Who. There are they're are already like the kind of blank check actors where it's like, I will see whatever they do no matter what it is.
1: I think Florence Pugh, I wanted to hit on her more in Little Women. Uh, her performance of like the juxtaposition of her as an adult versus her as a child. Yeah. She yeah. plays little baby Amy so well. So well. Like you believe that she is a tiny little girl so well. Uh, and she recently did a podcast, Awards Chatter, where they kind of recap this amazing year. It's Awards Chatter. Highly recommend listening to it if you liked either of these movies because she goes into great length about kind of how they came about and what her process is. And for Midsommar, for the screaming scenes where she looks so tortured, she literally would go sit by herself. I can't remember the song she would listen to, this really depressing song, and imagine all of her family just dead in caskets underground. Like, that's how you she gotta got to do it.
0: We mentioned it in our uh, full review of Midsommar, but, like, Florence Pugh's face was oh. made for a horror film. Oh. Like, her, the the poster of her, her just, mm-hmm. like, huge frown. It's yes. like, I can't even know how to describe it. Like it's like a screaming frown.
1: <sighs> it's iconic. It is iconic. It is iconic. And this movie is as well. I just, I love him, but I went and literally Netflix DVD, her entire filmography, uh, two of them are coming to me tomorrow. I'm gonna just watch everything she's ever been in because and they'll probably so
0: retroactively good. be tied for number nine she's in, on your list.
1: She was in Fighting with My Family 2019. I too, saw that, which yeah. is also very good. It's a good, surprisingly movie. Good. surprisingly good. I hate wrestling. Surprisingly good movie.
0: I felt the exact same way. She can carry anything.
1: She can. I promise, no more ties, Nathan.
0: Speaking of ties, let's take off these bow
1: ties yes. and uh, let's get loose. Shout out on these chicken and cheese sliders. Ooh, yummy. God, there's a chunk of melted cheese at the bottom of every little cardboard container. hmm I am going
0: to be collecting those and eating them later.
1: Great. I burned the roof of my mouth on some pizza the other night. hmm And crispy chicken going into that raw kind of skin does not feel great. Tastes pretty nice, though.
0: You wouldn't think this, even though we've mentioned about four times on our show, but Arby's chicken strips...
1: Are quite good. Very good, tender, moist.
0: Some of my go to chicken chips if I, you know, really just wanted a nice three piece. Mm -hmm.
1: You really don't think about them, though, for tenders. You Mm -mm. just don't. I've taken to only eating the top bun uh, and not the bottom bun because it's too much bun. I've taken to enjoying life. Mm. Me too, as I watch you drink a bottle of champagne and I drink bubbly water.
0: Let me just get a big swig of champagne and Mm. tell you that my number eight Mm. is Toy Story 4.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, authority. she's already making friends. No, no, she
2: literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Ah. <gasps> He's a spork. Yes. Yeah. I know.
0: Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the
1: trash. Freedom! Buzz, we've got to get Forky a
0: I've grown up with the Toy Story series, mm-hmm. haven't we all? Mm-hmm. They hold a very special place in my heart. And like many Pixar movies, they still completely hold up. So, mm-hmm. like many people, when I heard they were making Toy Story 4, I thought... The third film was a great conclusion. Why are they doing this? Yes. And I assume the answer was money because it's Disney. Mm-hmm. But this movie just seemed particularly unnecessary. Like, we've had, like, Incredibles 2, Finding Dory. Yeah. I get those. But it's like, we had this complete three-story arc. Why do we need this? But in the end, oh. after having seen Toy Story 4, what they did is something that would have seemed impossible, which is that they took an excellent and complete trilogy, mm-hmm. which, to begin with, there's not many excellent trilogies ever. No. They took that and they continued it with a fourth installment that is just as meaningful and just as good as the other three. Mm -hmm. I did a Google search. I was curious to see if there's a word like trilogy, but for four.
1: Quadrology.
0: That is not it, although I assume that. There is a word for it. It's only really used in literature. Mm. Tetralogy Ah, is what it's called. Of course. I think that this is truly the first great tetralogy. Well, have you seen all the pitch perfects? There's a Wikipedia page on, like, all the tetralogies that exist, and yeah. it's literally just, like, franchises where they happen to make four. Yeah. It's not, like, a complete story. It's like Alvin and the Chipmunks is the first one. I on think
1: that. you need to wait till Angry Birds 4 comes out, and then we'll talk, okay?
0: Just like the rest of the movies in the Toy Story trilogy, Toy Story 4 is... It's so funny and mm-hmm. sweet and creative, mm-hmm. and has such a wonderful message we can all learn from. The characters are great. Yeah. Obviously, you've got your whole cast of beloved characters, but now you've got Forky, Duke Kaboom... Key and Peele's carnival toys. Ugh. And possibly the greatest thing about this film is the animation is just jaw-dropping. Is especially astounding. for Bo Peep, her mm. her porcelain texture. That
1: whole antique store.
0: Oh my god, the lighting.
1: The sunbeams like coming through. Yeah,
0: the chandelier, all, like, all the kind of lens flares. Ugh. I may have mentioned this during our uh, full review of this movie back in the summer, but... I would highly recommend checking out. There's a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. It's called How Pixar's Animation Has Evolved Over 24 Years From Toy Story to Toy Story 4. It's this video made by Insider. It's a 10-minute video that highlights all the characters throughout Pixar movie history that were intentionally designed in a way that forced their animators to learn how to animate Mm -hmm. textures and movements that had literally never been done before in 3D animation. And then with each film, they built upon those technological advances. And like... When you're growing up with these movies, you don't notice huge leaps in animation. Yep. But when you go back and look at them side by side, like the dog in Toy Story compared to the cat in Toy Story 4, mm-hmm. you're like, this is mind-blowing. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Look up that video if you haven't seen it. But yeah, this movie just it blew me away. And I can't tell you how many people I talked to who just thought like they love the first three Toy Story films, but they had no interest in seeing this. Oh. And so I want to make the announcement right now. Watch this movie. It is fantastic.
1: It is a phenomenal movie. I think we both gushed over this for an hour and a half in Mm -hmm. our episode on it because it was so astounding. You're exactly right. You don't expect it to be great. You don't expect it to be a new story or a new adventure for these same toys. And the level it takes it to, it's, it's like watching them kind of turn into adults and become independent, these toys. And it is such a great kind of empowering story. Like you said, the animation's just off the charts, too. But, yeah, the new characters are all so much fun, mm-hmm. and they're all so different, and they're not, you know, just introduced for no reason. Most of them serve a purpose. Absolutely, and it's,
2: yeah.
1: it's almost, uh, there's kind of an element of horror in this movie as well, you know? Yes. And it is, I mean, kind of outright scary at times, and it's so not what I expected going into this movie. And I think me and you both had very low hopes for this movie. Right. And it is, in my honorable mentions, it almost made it. But I also loved that movie. Great pick. Great pick.
0: What is your number eight?
1: number eight is one I, I struggled with uh for a long time
0: is it a three-way tie or tire
1: <laughs> my number eight that i'm going to change right now and let me just tell you what it was going to be and i changed it at the last minute okay <laughs> i won't talk about the other one it was going to be book smart it was going to be book smart and i changed it at the last minute the very last minute. okay i'm talking what about. is it now right now i just changed it
0: tell me what it is
1: it is the missing link or just missing link
0: legend tells
2: of a lost species. A link between man and beast. For centuries he's lived in hiding but at long last he's reaching out and ready to be found. It's
0: still there. Excuse me. Hi. You can speak. Yes. And um, I write as well. My penmanship isn't great, but, uh, you know, opposable thumbs and fat fingers, you know.
1: This is a movie, and it could be because, you know, I watched it with my son. We both loved it so much. I'm a huge stop-motion fan. I think we both had Isle of Dogs in our top ten last year. It was
0: my number one last year.
1: Um, It was, I think, my number three or four. It was up there, yeah. Um, And this movie, I think, is honestly one of the most uh amazing and ambitious stop-motion movies like ever made it is so astounding i i went back and listened to um our nimble news on it uh it was uh, my nimble news on it uh, in our episode on netflix's the king and i said uh, i hope it gets a nomination for best animated feature and it just won that at the golden globes last night which is
0: great and judging by the producer's face when the <laughs> name was announced yes. that surprised truly
1: everyone in that truly movie. everyone um the writing in this was uh, so funny and zach galifianakis uh it plays basically a, a bigfoot type creature but the two main characters have this back and forth that's phenomenal the writing is hilarious sharp the humor is dry and subtle um but the visuals of this movie are just astounding and it's uh, i think you mentioned uh when we chatted about it briefly in nimble news that it's from the same studio that did kubo in the two strings yeah like a, yeah. which is also astounding but this is a stop motion movie they do a whole few scenes on a boat where things are rocking back and forth and it just blows my mind i could watch it all day every day it is just beautiful truly a beautiful film like you you can't deny it the cinematography for a stop motion movie is astounding as well i love this movie and i don't think almost anybody i know has seen it uh it's on hulu right now streaming i would highly recommend watching it it is great
0: i enjoyed it i was just in complete awe of the artistry Mm -hmm. that goes into making it and like you have a boat that's moving through water. The waves are crashing on the boat. There's rocking. The mm. characters are moving in relation to the boat. Yeah, they're like I, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around how you no. make that. No. How do you make it? I don't know. I don't know. So what do you say, since we have less sliders in movies, we uh, skip a slider and go yeah. on to number seven? I like that. Let me preface this by saying, when I sat down to make my list, you know, I looked at my list from years past and it got me thinking about how if I were to remake those same lists today, how they'd be different. Oh. You know, like obviously, you know, opinions change over time. Mm-hmm. Certain movies hold up better than others. Yeah. And there may have been, you know, again, recency bias, movies near the end of the year that stuck in my mind, like the week I made my list, but yep. like months later I kind of, you know, forgot about it. Sometimes there's movies that may not make a huge impression at first. Maybe they're more kind of like restrained or understated, but over time. I grow more and more fondly of them, not because I'm like watching more and more, just because in my head, I keep going back to them because they're so thought provoking, so one of a kind, they just never leave my brain. I
1: think we're gonna have the same number seven and I'm very excited.
0: I, it's possible. Even though, you know, it's, it's hard to know which movies from the current year will stay in your mind for years to come, I think that my number seven falls squarely into this category. And my pick for number seven is the art of self-defense.
1: Oh, man! Not the same as me. Not the same as me. (laughs) Not the same.
2: I want you to tell me why you're here.
0: I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of other men. (laughs) I want to be what intimidates me.
1: You came to the right place. I'm taking my first class today. Your new white belt? Is that the first belt color?
0: White is before color. You haven't earned color yet.
1: Today's lesson, to
0: kick with your fists and punch with your feet. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) I challenge you to a fight to the death in unarmed combat. In The Art of Self-Defense, Jesse Eisenberg plays a guy who's basically the textbook definition of a beta male. Yeah. Yeah. He feels insecure around other men, and there's an incident that kind of brings his insecurities to a breaking point. So he decides to start taking karate classes so that he can intimidate other men in the way they intimidate him. Of course. There have been quite a few movies this year that were in some way about, like, masculinity or what it means to be a man. I'm thinking, like, Mm -hmm. The Irishman and Waves and even, like, Ford vs. Ferrari the art of self-defense deals specifically with this cycle that men become caught in where they feel inferior to other men. So they try to be more masculine, which then makes other men around them feel inferior. Yep. And we're all caught in this loop where there's no room for vulnerability or meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. This movie uses the metaphor of like physical combat, but like in our real lives, I mean, all men experience this feeling in more you know nuanced ways. Many of us are conditioned to uphold these gender norms by the men who raise us, who were yeah. conditioned by the men who raise them. And like the art of self defense is just such a great illustration of this cycle. And I've got to say, the the last 10 minutes of this movie oh. is so satisfying. This is like the next day, I just rewound the last 10 minutes yeah. just to watch it again, just because it's so good. The humor is. It's very dry and, super and, dry. and offbeat, super dry. which is right up my alley. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the dialogue reminds me of a director who I know you love, Yorgos Lanthimos, sure who did, did uh, The Favorite last year. Mm-hmm. I definitely found this movie to be a little, I would say less off-putting than typical Yorgos Lanthimos film I don't in know terms of the that. dialogue. But the way that you know Jesse Eisenberg's character speaks, especially as he grows more confident, mm-hmm. it's so like matter-of-fact in like such an off-kilter way. Yeah. I think it's so funny. And... <laughs> And visually, this movie is so, it's just very nice to look at. It's almost like, a, I don't know how else it says other than that it has quirky cinematography. Yeah. And like. It's very it, simple. It uses lots of muted colors, lots mm-hmm. of yellows and browns and neutrals. I feel like the closest visual comparison I can think of is Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. In terms of like the, the the interior design and just kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like the humor is n- kind of similar to. Napoleon Dynamite is my favorite movie, so I feel like this oh in God. many ways just reminds me of believe. that. I will say, though, Napoleon Dynamite is not a very plot-driven movie, so if you think that movie is kind of pointless, mm-hmm. The Art of Self-Defense, I think the story is the best thing about it. It's yeah. got a really great story, really great characters, mm-hmm. but it's still in that same vein style.
1: I wanted to do a three to five on this movie with you in one of our previous episodes, but never got around to it. I, I used t- doing now. You kind of told me to watch this, and I, you know, my notes on it were, you know, it's... I think the first thing I wrote was like, slow, not for everybody, but great. Mm. Um, I really liked it. Like you said, it's a really interesting look at kind of how toxic masculinity is built and fostered and amplified in people who are looking for guidance or help in life. And it's kind of absurd, but uh, oddly unnerving in like today's online world where these attitudes and ideas spread like way too quickly yeah. and you can totally see this type of stuff happening and people being sucked in by one super macho guy uh, and telling him, Oh, I can change your life. It was, it's almost like an, it's an off putting movie. It's an off putting movie. And I think the reason I didn't put it in my top 10 or honorable mentions is it was just at times it was a little predictable for me. And, but I think other than that, it is a great movie. It, the acting is, almost, like, purposefully simple, but it's great. Like, all the characters are great in this movie. Um, and it's, I think it's, yeah, the last 10 minutes is really pretty powerful and, and fun. And it's just... And very
0: much out of the field.
1: Very much. My dad, who falls asleep in almost every movie we watched, I watched this when I was back home, I think, for Thanksgiving or something, mm-hmm. loved this movie. Was, like, laughing out loud, and I have not seen him laugh in a movie in a very long time. So it is... It's good, and I think a lot of people will like it if they give it a chance. Um, But I think some people will start it and get turned off by it early on and not give it a chance to ride out the rest of it. But it is definitely good. I did not expect it to be in your top ten. I am very surprised by that.
0: I enjoyed it very much. Now, uh, what is your number
1: seven? My number seven that also I think is going to stick with me and uh, everything you said about your number seven, which made me think it was the same as my number seven. My number seven is Ad Astra. This is a top-secret psychological evaluation.
0: Please describe your current emotional state.
2: I'm steady, calm, ready to do my job to the best of my abilities. I will remain calm. I will remain focused. You look just like your dad there. the first man to the outer solar system he was a pioneer but there
1: was much more to him than that now i think this is possibly the most beautiful film of the year um other than maybe midsummer i think the visuals in this movie are unparalleled it Mm -hmm. is the cinematography is astounding. It's impossible to describe, honestly. It is such a unique movie. Brad Pitt in it is great, even though he's pretty. It's not a very emotional performance, you could say. He's but stoic. He's very stoic. Right. But it's it's it just it covers kind of the meaning of life, purpose in life. It covers fatherhood. It covers kind of the potential futures. It starts off with a bang, and it keeps going from there. And it's. The pacing of the movie changes, I feel like, from part to part. And it's just, again, I I wish everyone could see it in theaters because I feel like it will not be the same at home. But the score in this movie is basically one of the characters because there's a lot of silence in this movie. Uh, But it is so good to look at. I would watch it on mute and still probably have it make my top ten. I can't recommend it enough. I think you can get it on Amazon right now. But it is just, it's a movie that... You, I remember sitting in the theater and I knew there was nothing after the credits and I just sat there and kind of was like, oh my God, I had to like, it's almost like a, it kind of reorients you in terms of like what you think your purpose in life is and, and how you <laughs> should go about what you do. And it moved me in a really big way. I think as a dad, there's a lot of messaging in this movie uh, about fatherhood and, you know, that father son relationship and how you know, that affects each other and what that connection is and how far that connection can be kind of stretched, I guess you could say just an amazing movie, super original, absolutely loved it. And I'm not a big like space movie guy, but wow, this movie blew me away.
0: I think that the best word I could think of to describe it, like to describe uniquely, this movie is meditative, meditative. It's very, bad. the entire film, the yeah. character, my feeling during it. And for weeks after yeah. it just has you thinking mm-hmm. and, and like you said, I mean, just the filmmaking itself, it's its gorgeous on every level. Yes. His performance is great. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a nearly flawless movie. I think that mm. I, I've heard a complaint from some people that like some of the, the voiceover can be a little bit much. Mm. And like, I can see the narration kind of. It's a lot of narration because he's alone for most of the movie. Yeah. But... I found it to be very poetic. It is. I, th- I think it that is. it's just, it's a wonderful dialogue. It worked for me. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of movies this year where I spent most of my time in the theater with my jaw open while I was yep. watching them. This was one of them.
1: It, every scene is something that is beautiful in its own weird, almost eerie way. Because it's mm-hmm. a very, it's not a, there's not a ton of people in every scene. You know, it's a very, there's a yeah. lot of space and not like outer space. Yeah, I mean, it's a lonely characters.
0: film. It oh. captures the vastness and the loneliness of space, yes. very well. Yes,
1: and it is, oh, just can't wait to watch it again. Really can't wait.
0: Something I can't wait for is diving in to our pizza sliders. So yes. let's do that right about now. Let's. These are topped with pepperoni, Swiss, uh, genoa salami, and roasted garlic marinara. Oh, I like the sound of the marinara.
1: That's a front runner for my top 10 sliders right there.
0: This is really good. hmm I swore that we wouldn't mention the subway sliders again. But if you recall, oh, our, uh, the pizza slider from Subway was by far the best of the four, mm-hmm. and of the three Arby's ones you've had, I've liked all of these. This is the best. This is the best. It's it's because when you get that, that oil soaking yeah. into the bun, along with the marinara of this, like yeah. man, that's a good texture. I
1: mean, if you compared this pepperoni slider to Subway's pepperoni slider, not to bring up Subway again, uh, but if you did, we would never, if you did, I mean, the difference is. Otherworldly. It is like one that you pull out of the sewer versus one that's handed to you in a Michelin star restaurant. This is, we should not have done There's no aesthetics.
0: way I'm not eating all this.
1: I already abandoned one, one side of the bun. I got about halfway through.
0: Kevin, we talked a lot in our recent Star Wars episode about the value of a strong creative vision. Mm-hmm. You know, one person has an idea for a story that no one has done before. Mm-hmm they write the script, they direct the movie, they hire all the right people to bring it to life in a way only they could. It's a magical thing.
1: I think we have the same number six.
0: We do not, because my number six is one that you already mentioned, which um. is Midsummer.
1: Ooh!
0: How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really?
2: Yeah. What
0: do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day.
1: Is it scary? What is it? It has
0: special properties. <laughs> what am I going through? We
1: just need to acclimate.
2: I don't want to acclimate, I want to go.
1: Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us.
0: That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. <laughs> I was most excited for you to come. So Midsommar we've talked about it already at length it's about a couple who travel with their friends to Sweden they go to this annual festival things go downhill from there to say the least depending Uh, the concept of a horror film that takes place entirely in the daytime is genius and scary and on top of that this isn't really a horror film like it's shocking and bizarre it becomes this very like therapeutic and personal stories. Some people like to call it a fairy tale.
1: It's like a trance. It induces you into a trance, I feel like. It
0: does. And I mean, in terms of film, like it defies genre. There's no one word or phrase you could tell someone to like properly prepare them for mm-hmm. this movie at all. Mm-hmm. The imagery is just what gets me. That's why oh. I can't stop thinking about this movie. I mean, the costumes, the architecture, this commune in Sweden, the landscape, the mm-hmm. drawings. Oh. There's an entire room that's covered in drawings. They have these books. They have these sheets where they, there's these paintings that foreshadow events of the film. I could stare at this movie forever. Yeah, The score is haunting. We already talked about Florence Pugh. <sighs> performance. Fantastic performance. This is Ari Aster's uh, second major film after Hereditary from last year. Yep. Also one of my favorites of last year. And if you've seen both movies, I would highly recommend checking out our spoiler discussion on Midsommar that we did back in the summer because we really dove into the ways that I think these two movies make great companion pieces for one yes. another. But we can't really go into that right now. It's very spoilery. Yeah. Ari Aster's career is off to an incredible start. And I'm just happy to be alive in a time when this man is making movies. Because mm-hmm. I am completely on board for wherever he goes from here.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, trans- like, it's the only thing I can think of. I remember we saw this with a group of friends. And we were all just dazed afterwards. Like, just... You feel the length of time. It yeah. feels exhausting.
0: Because mm-hmm. the characters are exhausted. Constant daytime. They're at, you know, their wits' end. Yeah. It's, man, it's, it's just it's so a great weird. one. I mean,
1: it, it's got funny parts in it, too. Like, it is completely genre-defying. Er, number six last year for me was Hereditary, by the way. So. I
0: believe mine was up there as well. Great taste.
1: My number six is one that I was very excited to see. It is Uncut Gems. Mm. Uncut Gems.
0: Can I just go ahead and say right now, I feel like it would be easier if we combine these, that my next pick, number five, is also Uncut Gems. Synergy.
1: How you
2: doing, Holly? Hi. How's it going? Hey, What face have? All right, Larry. You're a Jew again. Welcome back. I made a crazy risk, a gamble, and it's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. It's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. So
0: this is me. This is how I win.
1: I was so excited to see this movie. I'd heard nothing but good things. It's from my favorite movie studio right now, A24, that only puts out kind of unique indie movies. And it's uh, usually movies that are unlike any other movie. And this is completely unlike any other movie. Absolutely. I cannot say enough about Adam Sandler's performance in this movie. I'm not a huge Adam Sandler fan. I mean, I loved him on SNL. I loved him growing up, his movies. But I don't think of him as an amazing actor in my head. Um, this movie totally changed that. This movie, I, was, I saw this by myself. And it was a very crowded theater, um, just because it was opening day that this movie finally came to town. It was a crowded theater. I was sitting by people, and I was leaning forward harder than I've ever leaned forward in a movie. I was so anxious. It's a movie that covers a lot of ground, but a, a lot of it is about him betting on sports. And there's a point in the movie where a basket is made in this pretend basketball game that he's bet on. And I literally went, yes! And, like, I said yes. I put my fist in the air and did, like, a fist pump. Because they had scored a basket that was going to help him win a bet. And I sat back down and I was like, oh my God, I'm by myself in this theater. These people think I'm nuts. (laughs) And then I looked around and I was like, oh no, everyone is completely enthralled by this movie. Nobody even noticed that I just did that. And I'm sure three other people did that too. I was so into this movie. It is a nonstop, anxiety-inducing heart attack of a movie. Mm -hmm. And it is, I think, over two hours long, but it feels longer. Because my heart, I checked my pulse like seven times during this movie. It is so intense, and all the performances. Kevin Garnett was even great in this movie. He was good. Um, but the Safdie brothers who directed it just knocked it out of the park. It took them 10 years to make this movie, and they did everything right, I think. It is, the camera work is as jarring as the performances, and the plot just gets amped up more and more as it goes on, and you never understand what's going to happen next. Oh, my God, it's good. I am very excited to see it again as well.
0: We've talked a lot recently on the show about, like, veteran directors making their most confident and patient films yet. I'm thinking, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman. These directors have been working for decades, and they're making these films that are, they're long, and they let the audience just kind of sit in in whatever feeling that they're in. And, like, these movies are not in any rush. They don't really go out of their way to, like, entertain you or to break the tension. And I feel like the Safdie brothers are already at a level of filmmaking Mm -hmm. that most directors don't get to For decades, it is such confident filmmaking. They're so comfortable letting you just like be anxious, be frustrated, and the stakes just keep getting higher and higher for hours. Oh my god! And like both in terms of like the literal plot stakes, and also like your emotions. Like you just said, I moved around in my seat, and I was more audible of an audience member than I was in any other movie this year. I was, I could not sit still. No, I was so antsy, and like at one point, I was like how can they end this movie in a way that isn't disappointing? And then it ended and I was like, oh yeah, they're geniuses. Yeah. They pull it off in a way <laughs> I never saw coming, but it's
1: fantastic. It is. The, I mean, the ending completely, I don't think anybody can see it coming, the way this movie ends. And it's, oh, it's satisfying in one way. It's unsatisfying in another. It is, it leaves you just, even after it ends, you're still like, Trying to catch your breath, but still somehow getting more anxious just thinking about everything else that follows the ending in that universe. And it is – you're right. They're just so sure of what they're doing with every aspect of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is amazing. Julia Fox is amazing in it as yeah. well. It's like um, her first movie. First movie. Basically a screen test for her. And she nails it. The weekend comes in and, and does a little bit. Like, its it's just out of control.
0: I just want to say, okay. This movie, even before having seen it, this movie was made in a lab to appeal to me specifically. Like, mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, you say, you know, before this, you don't want to take him seriously as an actor. I will say, if you're listening to this and you think the same thing, watch Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Great. Before that, watch the Myerowitz stories on I never Netflix. That. I
1: never watched that.
0: But before that, please go watch Uncut Gems. Like, this man's acting. He... It is baffling that he spends so much time and effort on dumb comedies. Because mm-hmm. when he has good material, a good role, he is just as good as any other actor. Absolutely. Like, if 2019 had not been such a great year for actors, I think he would absolutely be in the conversation. For, I think like, he still will. It, it, he has a chance. Like He he has the chops to lead a gripping movie like this. Mm-hmm. He's so good. And like, that already, when I heard about this movie, Adam Sandler in a serious role, I was excited. Yeah. Next reason, the Safety Brothers, I already love. They had a good time with Howard Pattinson a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Also, like an anxiety ridden New York grimy. Also, say, both movies are scored by a uh, 10 Tricks Point Never, who is an artist who I really, really enjoy. Both soundtracks are great. Mm-hmm. I listen to both of them at work all the time. I thought you were going to say at the same the, time. <laughs> <laughs> the Uncut Gems soundtrack in particular is like. I feel like the best way to describe it is that it sounds like someone from the 80s, if they were to score a movie that took place in 2012. Yeah. It's like retro, but futuristic. It's perfect for Adam Sandler's character.
1: It is. He's somebody from the past trying to fit in in today's world, and it's so hard for him to do that, you see throughout this entire movie.
0: And next reason I was excited for this... The Weeknd is possibly my favorite artist. Wow. And when I found out he was in this, I assumed that it was going to be a cameo. But even then, I was like, I'm just excited. Just like, I follow the guy's career so closely. I'm excited for him to do anything yeah. in a movie. Well, in a movie I'm already excited for. He's in it for like 10 minutes and actually like, does quite a bit. Like, yeah. He's he's not in the background. He has like a choreographed uh, altercation. He yeah. has like, he like performs almost the entire song. Mm-hmm. He like actually has some good dialogue. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed that very very much and like even though I was so excited for this movie I kind of thought in the back of my head I'm like my hopes are way too high. There's no way that this movie's going to live up. It's got all these elements that I'm so excited for but it cannot amount to like what I'm imagining it is but it completely did. Mm -hmm. I loved this movie so much. What I've told people you mentioned it's like this anxiety trip like it's a roller coaster ride at its peak it's like thrilling and stimulating but like at i guess you'd call it like it's valley it is so anxiety inducing and yeah. like you want to yell at the screen and like if you're okay with that experience if that sounds like something that you're ready to sign up for please go see this but if not please don't i was because say, please do i think you'll probably hate it if that idea doesn't sound entertaining to you i don't
1: you, think know, you, how, can. you know how think you, can. you know how sometimes you can
0: you know sometimes you go on like Twitter or Facebook, you see like sponsored ads for movies like the weekend they come out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I've seen a movie, I like to read the comments section on those ads. It's like hundreds of comments, of people who just saw the movie. You yeah. know, I'm just curious to see what what do like random people think of this movie that I saw. I would invite you to like read some uncut gems comments, especially like on Facebook if you could. There's <laughs> oh, all the top comments are about what complete trash this movie is, and like people despise it. And I'm like, if you're expecting just a, like a Adam plain Sandler. thriller or yeah, if Adam's Adam Sandler, like whatever your expectations are, it's probably not at all what this movie actually is. Mm-hmm. And I want to give people context. Cause like, <laughs> I just know there's people who have been like, you know, I respect this film, but I also think it's absolutely awful. And I get that. That being said, I love it. Yes. It was made for me. It was made for you.
1: I think, I mean, just more reasons it was made for us. Lakeith Stanfield is phenomenal in this I movie. I love him. He does such a good job in this movie. He is yeah. the perfect character. He plays it so well as kind of the guy who's like, absolutely your friend when he he needs to be, and absolutely gone when he doesn't need to be. Yeah. Uh, and looking out for number one, Edina Menzel is also great in it, and... uh His like brother-in-law Eric Bogosian is Mm -hmm. creepy as hell and such a good bad guy in this movie. Such a good bad guy. Um, He just looks like an evil man. I don't know if he's ever been in anything else, but I assume he was like the kind of the the inspiration for a lot of animated bad guys because he looks (laughs) just like him.
0: Both Uncut Gems and Good Time, the Safdie brothers' two major films, like they cast these recognizable actors Mm -hmm. and through the actors transformations and through the the directing like they become unrecognizable like Robert Pattinson Adam Sandler Adina Menzel like Mm -hmm. these become the characters 100% she was so good similar to Ari Aster the director of Midsommar I am so excited to see whatever the Safdie brothers do next like I'm so on board for everywhere they go from here
1: absolutely can't wait So
0: that was my number five. Mm -hmm. How about we jump into your number five, You want to sneak
1: a slider in? I'm getting a little hungry. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, I am uh, getting pretty starving right now. Yeah, I need some more bread.
0: Now we are about to dig into these ham and cheese sliders. Let's go for it.
1: All right.
0: Here's what I'll say. At least in terms of Arby's Ensemble of Meats, when it goes with other meats, it adds a nice touch on its own. Yeah. This is very standard ham.
1: I'd rather have, like, a... Why don't they do, like, a little mini Reuben? Like, give me some corned beef. You know, give me some brisket. Ham and cheese is so boring. Yeah, that's probably my least favorite so far. Maybe it's just because it's following it's following the pizza one. So, I mean, how's it supposed to...
0: I think it has the least to offer. I mean, a couple of these are just one meat with the Swiss cheese. Even maybe a little bit of sauce will be really good on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, some mustard or mayo or something. I don't know, but... This is not one that I would ever choose to get again a few no. of these i could see myself getting again yeah but uh, but not this one no. no now speaking of things that are dry and unsatisfying what is your number five movie
1: my number five is rocket man
2: there are moments in a rock star's life that define who he is where there was darkness there is no you It's going to be a wild ride. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time till touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not gonna. Make
1: This movie, you know, we were coming off a, a real sour taste in our mouth with Bohemian Rhapsody. We weren't sure how this one was going to be. We have a full episode on this movie as well. It is, like I said in our full episode, the Elton John of movies. There is nothing like this movie. It is so... I mean, first off, Taron Edgerton deserves so many awards. He plays Elton John through every up and down of Elton John's life. It is an amazing performance but the movie itself is completely not what I expected when, when we went into this it is the structure of it is so different than your classic biopic it is amazingly and seamlessly put together with Elton John's music and kind of how his songs were shaped by his life and how different parts of his life kind of line up with all of these amazing songs that you you forget how many phenomenal songs Elton John has written yeah. until you watch this movie. And you realize, oh my god, he's written so many, but oh my god, these are all so personal to him. They all just are a little chunk of his life, and they're seamlessly built into this movie in such a cool way. Because it's not like your normal musical where everyone breaks into song or something like that. It's much more kind of Elton John in his own world, and it's just such a uniquely structured movie. And I cannot get enough of it. I know a lot of people might not like you know, musicals, but it is... An astounding movie. It is so fun to watch the Elton John movies. Nope.
0: In our in our full review of Rocket Man, we did a lot of comparing this to Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. even though we kind of tried not to. Mm-hmm. I think it warrants it though, because Bohemian Rhapsody last year, a movie that you and I did detest, not like, detest. especially with how much love it got on the awards season. I still don't understand it, but I think that that movie kind of raised the conversation about like music biopics and how tired of a format it is and how there's just this it's this generic template of how to tell these stories no matter how different the artist is you they always tell the story in the same way the film walk hard is an excellent parody of like the typical music biopic format but rocket man and it just makes me so sad because i think there's a lot of people who didn't see this movie because bohemian rhapsody burned them because they thought I don't need to see another movie about like an 80s pop icon so soon after this. And to be honest, it was marketed to be pretty similar. It looked like it was going to be along the same lines, but it is so different and refreshing in every way. And it is, this movie was made. Specifically to defy the music biopic template, like yep. the very first scene, you Ugh. think you know what's going to happen. You think it's like, and it starts, and you're like, "Oh man, they're doing the same thing that all these movies yep. do." But it takes a very deliberate turn and says, "No, this is not that movie. It yes. is a very different movie. It's a one of a kind movie." I was dazzled. Oh it, my god,
1: it is! It, it really floored me. So over the top in so many ways, just like Ellen John was, and that's when it's at its peak. Like it is the perfect reflection of just a man who is bigger than big, like too big for any room, Elton John is. And it's, this movie makes you understand how he got that way. And Jamie Bell in it is great too, um, as kind of his songwriting partner. And it's just amazing. It is, and it covers topics that, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody really shied away from with, with, you know, whether it's, you know, his sexuality, his drug use, Rockman's like, let's go, we're getting into it. Oh my god, what a fun, it's such a fun movie, it reminds you of all the amazing music Elton John's done, the amazing life he's lived, and it's just good all around. There's I have no complaints about this movie, I remember leaving and just thinking, I'm so happy right now, because it was so much better than I'm sure anybody expected it to be, and it's so much better than that piece of shit Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> and it just made my day, because Elton John deserves a phenomenal movie, and he got it.
0: B.M. and Rhapsody sometimes known as the subway slider
1: of movies. Oh, my God. Are we ready for our number fours? I think so.
0: My number four is another film that we've already touched on a bit in this episode. It is Ad Astra.
1: Oh, way up there.
0: So in Ad Astra, Brad Pitt, you know, plays this astronaut. His father was missing on a mission to Neptune like 30 years prior. Mm-hmm. Now Brad Pitt finds himself on a mission to uncover the truth about what happened. Mm-hmm. And... You you might expect a movie about a a mission into deep space to be this, like, exciting adventure. But, like, this film is melancholy. Like I said, this film is meditative. And and part of that is Brad Pitt's character, like, it's it's, it's not an adventure. It's, Mm -mm. in the future, space travel will become mundane. And, like, there's a whole sequence where flying on a (laughs) space shuttle to him is is just as banal as, like, flying on an airplane for a work trip is for you and I.
1: A Midwest airport.
0: In in the opening scene, we see Brad Pitt working on, like, on the space tower. It's a gorgeous scene, just right off the bat. But like, we get this sense of scale, the vastness of space, and like the danger of his job. And for us, it's so much to take in. But for him, he literally—it looks like an electrician working on a utility pole. Like it's everyday work for him, and that perspective is so interesting. Such a different take on sci-fi. And like, you know, we've already poured over the great filmmaking of that asteroid. But I just want to say, it hit me on such a personal level. Mm -hmm. It is about. A man on a quest to find meaning, not only for himself, but a meaning for all of this. Yeah. And I spend way too much time wondering what the meaning is of all this. And it's not that this movie tries to give a specific answer to that question, instead, it, it offers a very profound and hopeful idea to anyone who thinks about such things. Mm-hmm. It genuinely made an impact on the way I live my life. I will never forget this movie. And it would have been even higher on my list if it hadn't featured Subway so prominently.
1: Oh, man, it definitely does. You're right. You're right. No, it is. It's a movie that sticks with you. I think it's impossible for it not to. And I think, um, you know, a lot of my top movies here are, are all movies that stick with you. But this one stands out as just really reflective. I think I think anybody who sees it and whether it's, you know, just your, the purpose aspect of it or, you know, like I said, kind of the, the father-son part of it. or There's so many ways to relate, you know, whether you just feel kind of adrift in life. Like, it is a movie that everyone's going to take a, a message from and hopefully kind of reflect on themselves and what they've been doing in their life. And on top of that, it's rare to have a movie that leaves you with that but also is aesthetically amazing. Like, beautiful. I It's, it's such a good movie. And, I, and one that I don't think most people saw, which is sad. Yeah bums me out what is your number four kevin my numero quattro as the french say is knives out
0: harlan started out with a rusty smith corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time 30 languages over 80 million copies sold you guys fans i mean i don't do much fiction reading myself
2: big fan i'm a big fan (laughs) Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well?
1: Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset.
2: Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan.
1: What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective?
2: Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the matter of death. You mean if someone killed him? (laughs) You think one of us, one of his family, killed him.
1: Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. Knives Out, your boy, Ryan Johnson, who you just love so much, I know. My boy. Your boy. Uh, It is one of the most masterfully done movies of the year it's it's a perfect murder mystery type movie i avoided trailers like the plague for this movie because i didn't want anything at all to be spoiled and i am so glad i did uh it's got all the elements from your classic kind of mystery and suspense films but it's mixed so well with today's world and how people act today and the types of personalities that exist in the world today the cast is off the charts you've got jamie lee curtis you've got chris evans daniel craig With a beautiful southern accent.
0: You saw that confirmed a sequel today?
1: I saw that and I'm still (laughs) semi-erect from that news. I want there to be ten of those movies. Mr. Benoit Blanc. Uh, Amadei Armas is amazing in it. Everyone is so good. And there's no way to predict what's going to happen next. The pace is perfect. If it was any faster, it would be a little too fast. If it was any slower, you could probably start to piece things together. But it's so perfectly put together he is such a master and uh, that you just you're on the edge of your seat not in a not in an uncut gems way where you're anxious but you're just like you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure it out because you know it's a murder mystery you know one of these people did it you you're just racking your brain and things are presented one way and kind of realized later to be another way chris evans in that goddamn sweater is a, <laughs> just astounding but it is such a fun movie and I think me and you both agree that this is a movie that you can recommend to almost anybody Mm -hmm. because it is objectively a fun good movie you're not going to guess what happens and it is just a just a ride that I really enjoyed and like you said I cannot wait for the next Benoit Blanc
0: film I I especially admire the way that like you know it's a it's a whodunit mystery and like At one point, it basically changes genres. It becomes a very different movie, and like it plays on your expectations of the genre in such smart ways. I think that Ryan Johnson, as a director, I I I think he's he's the kind of director that just I want him to take me on rides for the rest of my life. I I trust the man to take me on such entertaining adventures, Mm -hmm. and. I can't I can't wait to see what he does.
1: And, I mean, every the thing is with this movie, it's everyone has a reason to have killed this guy. And it's, you know, you've got Michael Shannon, you've got Don Johnson, Tony Collette plays a Ditzy Blonde so, better. So good. And compared to her role in like hereditary or any other movie that she's in, it's astounding to me. Her character in this was the one that blew me away almost most of all. You've got again, Lakeith Stanfield's great in it, but it is it's just so damn good i can't get enough of this movie this will be one i will definitely buy on dvd because i am old and still do that but just everyone's amazing in it and it's got to be the ensemble of the decade i feel like he squeaked that in at the tail of the decade
0: speaking of ensemble of the decade let's uh make some time for that buffalo chicken slider. i'm
1: excited for this one actually
0: now these buffalo chicken sliders. not only are they topped with a crispy chicken tender dipped in spicy buffalo sauce They also have Parmesan peppercorn ranch. They look messy.
1: They do indeed. I just want to talk like Benoit Blanc for the rest of the episode. So the
0: buffalo sauce has softened the breading of the chicken. Yes. Quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I miss the crisp of that crispy chicken tender. See,
1: I've always kind of liked that that softened buffalo chicken skin. Hmm. I'm not getting much of that ranch though.
0: Mm,
1: there it is. I just got a big bite of
0: ranch. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not super flavorful. No. And the buffalo sauce and the chicken, I mean, mine's got plenty of sauce on it from what it looks like, but it's really not adding that much. I'm surprised how little flavor this one has.
1: I am too. This is probably my biggest letdown. Not the worst one. Just the highest gap in my expectations versus... Thank you for clarifying. ...reality, absolutely. Are we on a top three... We're on top three right now, Kevin. I'm so excited, Nathan. You and I have had... Oh,
0: man. Considering how many movies we both love this year, our lists have had a lot of overlap so far. Yeah. And there's about to be some more, because my number three is a little
1: film called Little Women. Oh, man. Number three for Little Women for you.
2: I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life
1: and my sisters. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it,
2: Joe? To be a famous writer. Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it.
0: My girls
1: have a way of getting into mischief. Well,
0: so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe.
1: I intend to make my own way in the world.
0: No one makes their own way, least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. You are not married, don't well, watch. that's because I'm rich.
1: I adored this film mm-hmm. with all my heart. So can I kind of say before you dive into this next year, will you give me a deadline where I have to solidify my list so I can prepare? lengthy statements about each one instead of winging it yeah out the cuff.
0: whatever time we record about one minute before then yeah
1: that's usually when i do it actually this time i actually made a change during the recording uh so if you could just give me a hard deadline i'm a deadline oriented man all right i've taken some personality assessments they've told me this just give me a deadline of like two days before so i can set it and forget it and then i can write paragraphs about each one so i sound astute and intelligent how about this
0: you got to write it down sent to me in the mail and i have to get it before you record notarized (laughs) yes and then
1: i can write on it yes that's a good deal
0: so in 2017 greta gerwig directed her debut film lady bird a movie i really liked it was a huge hit both Mm -hmm. critically at the box office it won some awards too. Now, before Lady Bird Greta was known for being a great actress a fantastic writer but after this she was being nominated for best director along with the greats like she became the one to watch and whenever an artist makes it big off their first major work there's always a possibility their next thing will end up being a sophomore slump you know like yep. especially in music there's lots of bands or singers who put out a, a breakout debut album they get big they're expected to repeat that success and their second album is a disappointment and there's a saying that Musicians have 20 years to write their first album and six months to write their second. Like typically great debut albums are very personal and they sound one of a kind and the the artist is like hungry for success but then when the artist gets big they might be busy touring or promoting themselves and their label wants them to hurry up and put out more content and now they're not the underdog. People have high expectations. They're like, all right what do you got next? No matter how good your first album or book or movie is, All artists are susceptible to sophomore slumps, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to follow up a smash hit debut. Earlier this year, we saw a film that, in my opinion, was a great example of that. We don't need to go into details and be negative right now, but I was very let down by a different younger director who had also shown a lot of promise in 2017. That's all I'll say. Lady Bird was a particularly personal film. She was essentially telling you know her own life story in her own way, and the result was really beautiful and touched a lot of people, but when I found out that she was following that up, With an adaptation of Little Women, which is a 150-year-old book that had been adapted many times before, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure what to think. Like, I knew very little about the subject matter. I was curious to find out why she was so eager to tell this story in particular. And then literally five minutes into the movie, I completely understood why this book is so important to her and to so many people. I think that with this film, Greta Gerwig has completely solidified a spot among the best directors working today. This movie is masterfully made Mm -hmm. i i cannot believe this is only her second film like she she made this small coming of age movie and then this And in terms of what is required of the director in these two films it is a huge leap particularly because she uses this style of storytelling that is so ambitious it could have gone wrong on so many levels if if the writing or the directing or the editing had come short this whole thing could have fallen apart but i think it was executed just flawlessly and like For those who aren't familiar with past iterations of Little Women, like you and I weren't, which I'm still not, really, the original story took place kind of in two parts. The first being, you know, while they're sisters, they're teenagers living at home. The next being they're all kind of off on their own. They're in their 20s living separate lives. And, like, if you visualize this as one continuous timeline, Greta Gerwig cut that timeline in half, placed the two halves on top of one another, Mm -hmm. and then told both halves of the story simultaneously, cutting back and forth in the two different time periods, Even explaining that right now, after having seen how great the movie turned out, the concept sounds like a train wreck waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. There are so many threads meticulously woven together, and, like, the story is stronger because of it. And it asks a lot of you as a viewer to keep everything straight. Yeah. But, like, it's never just complex for the sake of complexity. It's very purposefully laid out so that certain moments... From one timeline become layered onto a moment from a different timeline, despite occurring years apart in these characters' wise. Mm -hmm. And you know, the book, the original book was not written with that in mind. Like Greta is doing a lot of work to morph this story. And I'm sure she had to, like, you know, leave some stuff out or make some small changes, which like happen with all adaptations. But you can feel how much she loves the story, how much she wants to tell this story the way it was originally told. And the way it's shot, the score, the performances. Like I'm, I'm just a broken record at this point. <laughs> I can go down the list of every aspect of this movie. It's phenomenal. And it's about so many things mm-hmm. without ever feeling like it's trying to be about something. Like it feels like you're just watching the story of these girls lives. Yeah. And it's not until it's over that you realize it has these very specific themes like compromise and like forgiveness and the importance of telling stories and like seeing the world, through new perspectives and Above all else, I could not believe how relevant this movie is to the exact conversations we're having today about womanhood. Oh yeah, and it's not like it's not that Greta Gerwig shoehorned a twenty first century discussion into a nineteenth century story. It's that despite the fact that women have made so much progress in one hundred fifty years, they still face many of the exact same obstacles that the author uh, Louisa May Alcott did. It is just like timelessly feminist in that regard, and mm-hmm. I, I know that like. Okay. I know that getting emotionally invested in the outcome of award shows is silly because I'm just asking to be disappointed. But this film and Greta Gerwig deserve to be near the top of every list of the best dramas and best directors of 2019. And so far, they're not. Like, this film got no Screen Actors Guild nominations. The Golden Globes nominated uh, Sorsha for Best Actress and then Desplot for Best Score, which Mm -hmm. is a start. But like, if you're going to try to tell me that the two popes is a better movie than Little Women, you're wrong. Yeah. I've seen both and you're wrong.
1: I haven't even seen The Two Popes and you're wrong.
0: I understand that, like, Best Director at the Oscars this year is going to be a very stacked category. So, like, as much as I think Greta deserves an Oscar nomination, she probably won't get it. But if, if Little Women is not on the list of, like, eight to ten Best Picture nominees, I'm going to be genuinely
1: angry. If getting too invested in award show outcomes is silly, then I'm a goddamn clown, Nathan, <laughs> because I am also equally invested in this movie. And I think it's almost scary analogous to her trying to get a book published and women authors not being taken seriously in that period. And Greta Gerwig being kind of on the forefront of women directors. Sadly, that's just happening in 2020 that women are becoming more prominent directors, but it's, it's the same. It's, it's institutions not like, you know, the screen actors guilds or the writers guild, not taking people seriously because they're women or not nominating people because they're women. And it's, like you said, it's timeless in that sense and that it's the same stuff they're facing and it's sad as hell. Uh, I definitely think it will get at least a Best Director nomination. I really hope. I, I don't really know, man.
0: Hope. It's a stat category this year. we got Scorsese, Tarantino, Mendez. Apparently Todd Phillips is in that conversation. Bong Joon-ho is probably going to get in. It's going to be tough. There's this very depressing article on Vanity Fair I that know, I read. I that uh, It's called Little Women Has a Little Man Problem. and It's about how when these award season movies have like their, their first public screenings, like in New York and LA, typically like the crowds that come to see those movies first are the, the awards voters, you know, and the Mm -hmm. demographics of those crowds reflect the demographics of awards voters because everyone's going to try to see those films. Mm -hmm. And in the little women showings, the women drastically outnumber the men. And it's not that like, it's not that like men are like getting together and saying, Hey, we're not going to see that movie. It's unconscious biases against a movie they don't think is made for them. Cause like, when these critics vote to nominate films for all these awards, no one is requiring them to see certain ones. No one's saying, hey, you gotta see these 20 or 50 or 100 movies before you nominate. They just see what they see They nominate the favorite ones that they saw. Mm-hmm. If they didn't see it, they're not going to nominate it. And so many men, especially older men, are not seeing this movie. And like to be fair, honestly, yeah, if you're an older man, there's been a lot of movies this year, this season, that are much more made for you than Little Women is. So, like, I understand how if you go to the theater and there's eight movies playing, there's probably going to be five or six you're more likely to see if you're an older dude. And, like, I don't see a lot of, you know, male boomers seeing this movie unless they're dragged by their, like, wife or kids. But, like, I just need to tell the world this movie is... Phenomenal! It, is.
1: it demands to be seen. I do want to give props to the boomer gentleman who is sitting in front of me and weeping as much as I was during this movie because I was a mess at points in this movie. Absolutely, uh, and so was he. And I thought, you know, brothers in arms, man, you know, we might be a generation apart or two, you old boomer piece of trash. But you know what? I appreciate that you're here. And I appreciate that you're an emotionally open man,
0: and I appreciate this movie. And I am ready to hear your number three.
1: My number three, and I almost, it's odd, it's odd how much I love this movie. And when I was making my list, I almost didn't put it in my top 10 because there's just so many good movies, Nathan. My number three is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Uh...
2: This night and the hanging down and the
1: grass on the Here side. I am, flat on my ass. And who, who I got living next door to me?
2: I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me.
0: I play Miss Carlson, the klutz.
2: where oh. there ain't no trees. Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel grew. in this town. I can all change like that. Hey, you're a fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it.
1: This movie had to be on my list. I am a huge Tarantino fan. The cast all did phenomenal in this movie. The acting's great. The pace of this movie I loved as well. Just the the settings and the costumes and in, in this it, it captures the era perfectly. But the writing is what makes this movie, and the twists and turns this movie takes are phenomenal. Uh, Tarantino's script just and who knows you know what liberties the actors took with it, but this script is one of the best uh, that I've that I've ever witnessed on screen. I just love this movie so much. I don't have even much to say about it because again we we have a whole episode where I where I gush over this movie, but it's. It's just Tarantino at his finest, and it's not a bloody, gritty, gory Tarantino like it normally is. It's much more about his writing and the plot and the character development and watching these characters kind of grow and change. And, oh, just the ending to this movie, too. Similar to The the Art of Self-Defense, I would love to just rewind the last, like, 20 minutes of this movie and watch it over and over and over again. Because it's just so good and comes out of nowhere, and I love this Movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino's just—you he can't. He can do no wrong.
0: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a movie that I just thoroughly enjoyed. I loved hanging out with all the characters. What a cast! What a mature work from a director who I
1: already really love, but mm-hmm. didn't even realize he was capable of a movie like this. Yes, I think that's what I liked most about this movie. Is it's just not what you normally expect from him, and I think this movie really. Was a good example to me of of the recency bias Because I wanted to keep it off my top ten list And then I listened to some parts of our episode on it Where I'm just head over heels in love with it And I thought, what are you doing? You love this movie Just because you saw 20 great movies in the last month and a half That are probably almost on par with it Doesn't mean you didn't love this movie And it's just, oh my god, it's just so good Leo and Brad Both knock it out of the park in
0: that one Speaking of great duos Let's uh, have this turkey and cheese slider
1: I'm not excited about this one. Why do we save turkey till the end? It's gonna be dry as hell.
0: Mhm. It's not that dry. It's pretty dry. The cheese helps. Let me just say this: these buns and this cheese are both quite good. Yeah. And I've had five of these already, <laughs> and it's late. I'm full. Mhm. I just want to keep eating this one. We have more to go. One more left. One more left, man.
1: God. Number two, Nathan. One slider left, two movies left. Now, you know, normally on a night like tonight, we also talk about some of our favorite foods of the year. Oh, we're getting there. Okay.
0: Now, it is time for our number two picks of the year.
1: I'm
0: going to be honest, I agonized over this. Oh, you have no
1: idea what agony
0: is. Last year, if you recall, uh, my number two was A Star is Born, and number one was Isle of Dogs, and I spent a lot of time juggling between those two it was Mm -hmm. tough for me Mm -hmm. this year i had a very similar experience there's two films that i think have made a mark on me the kind of movies that i've just never seen anything quite like them and uh it was tough it was tough but my number two is a beautiful day in the neighborhood
2: we are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings yeah like what Things you can do. You can play all the lowest keys on a piano at the same time. You
0: love broken people like me.
2: Sometimes we have to ask for help, and that's okay. I think the best thing we can do is to let people know
0: that each one of them is precious. You and I talked about this movie for a little bit a couple episodes ago. So I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record here, but I want to make this clear to everyone who's listening. This movie is not a biopic about Mr. Rogers. It is not about the life and work of Mr. Rogers as a whole. Although, if you're interested in learning about that, there's a great documentary from last year called Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm -hmm. Check that out. This movie is not even focused on him. Mm -mm. He is not the main character. It is based on a true story about a journalist who was tasked with writing a profile on Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers used very specific ideas and techniques on his, his show in order to effectively teach children, but he never spoke down to them. He spoke eloquently and understandably and with so much care, but not in a way that made you feel like he was imposing ideas on you. And said like, he helped people learn things about themselves and about others and about the world. The director of this film, Marielle Heller, is using those same ideas not only as a loving tribute to Mr. Rogers, which it is, but more importantly, to do the same thing with this movie that he did with his show, which is to show the audience something about themselves without talking down to them. And this entire movie is effectively one long episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And the subject of that episode is this journalist who's very reluctant to, to write this piece on a man who he thinks is just for kids. And it's a beautiful story about the importance of this man's ideas and like, Now that he himself is absent from the world, it's up to all of us to carry that on. The world needs his spirit. And this film is such an earnest way to keep that alive. Like This movie takes a few specific elements of his show and sort of expands on them in a way that captures the essence of his work so wonderfully. My favorite example is these miniatures. His original show used these miniature buildings and cars to... Mm create little cities and for this film they recreated actual cityscapes particularly boston and new york and when the story transitions from one place to another as it often does instead of using like establishing shots of actual skylines like every other movie would it goes back to the miniature boston with little cars on tracks and little planes landing on runways it's such a charming detail that like a lot of the things from this movie on paper it could have seemed childish But it was executed so well that it fit into the tone of this film so perfectly. This film's tone is unlike anything I've ever seen before. It is so, like, endlessly charming. It is... This is not just a film for everyone. It's a film everyone needs to see. Mm -hmm. And another way this film captures the essence of Mr. Rogers is Tom Hanks' performance. It's so good. It's not just, like, an impression of his mannerisms. Like, Tom Hanks truly understands what made Mr. Rogers so special he brings that essence to life. And like, I did not watch much of this show when I was a kid. So it's not like I have like much of a nostalgic connection to it or anything. This movie just wrecked me. And I cried oh. my eyes out for two hours. It's the most that I was emotionally touched by a film in the past year, in many years. Oh, It, it just, it hit me so, so deep.
1: I have never cried, sobbed, wept, wailed. As much as I did in this movie, the most powerful scene I think I've ever seen in a movie, emotionally impactful scene I've ever seen in a movie, uh, is contained in this movie, and it, it it was an unexpected movie. I you know I think most people did think it was going to be that biopic of Mister Rogers, like you said, and it's it's so much more than that, and it just adds so much color to everything that show was about and Mister Rogers as a person, but at the same time gives you a complete story and just tale of personal growth of the main character as well. And it is such an emotional movie. I was stuffed up for like hours after this movie because it was just so impactful, but that specifically that one scene, just, I still almost tear up just thinking of it. And it, it's just such a, it's such a healthy movie in terms of how it deals with feelings. And that just like Mr. Rogers was for kids, you know, he was all about addressing your feelings and learning how to deal with your feelings. And this is like that for adults. It's, it's, hey, you might be going through a hard time and you might be mad about something or you might not want to forgive you know, a family member for something. We all do that. We get that. But is that the right thing to do? And it makes you kind of take a step back and be like, oh my God, am I am I living my life like Mr. Rogers would want me to? Like, have I, as a kid who used to watch the show and whose son watches Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, would, would Mr. Rogers be like proud of me? And I know he would no matter what I did because he's Mr. Fucking Rogers. But it's such a powerful movie. It's so... Damn good. I'm very glad you put it on your list. I struggled. I did not put it on my list, Uh, but I knew one of us would have it on our list.
0: You. Like you're kind of getting at my biggest takeaway is that like the lessons that I thought I learned as a child, clearly none of us learned them. Yeah. Because I mean, like this year just began. Mm -hmm. New years are about you know new beginnings, bettering yourself, reflecting, improving that kind of thing, and like day one of this year. Our world seems to be in a worse state than it has in probably a decade plus. And what this film is all about is like, I think that we are all so caught up with the problems of the world on a macro level Mm -hmm. that we are completely forgetting to address problems on a micro personal level. Yes. And we need to learn to love ourselves, to forgive people, to treat people with respect, which like it, these sound like ideas you teach to children that seem so basic, but like, we are not good at it. No, we are all very bad at these things. I'm great. Some worse than others, but like, if everyone in the world just took the time to make the make the world, not just the entire world, make their world, their just little world, a better place, be kind. this entire world would be a better place. And so like,
1: better, so significantly better. That's we,
0: we we. There's a, so many things in this world that are out of our control. Mm-hmm. As much as we are bombarded with them, we see notifications about them, we see images of them, of things that are just. How do I even begin to help this? And it's mm-hmm. like these past few days. I see all these pictures of like animals dying in Australia yeah. Yeah. and the prospect of of war happening soon and it it, it makes me feel so completely powerless. Mm-hmm. I'm just going on a tangent this like I don't even know where I'm going with this but it's just that we need to work on ourselves, work on our our personal relationships. We can mm-hmm. we can improve the world if we all set our minds to improving the world that's right around us. Well,
1: it's just, a, you know, it's, it's, it speaks to how big of an impact one kindness can have on somebody else's world around you. It, it really does. And it's, especially people who are close to you, who, you know, one little act of forgiveness can change a whole relationship. And then maybe they go and change a relationship and it's paying it forward, kind of. But it's, this movie screams that we need Mr. Rogers back, essentially.
0: Kevin, what is your number two movie of the year?
1: My number two is Dog Man. Now, this movie, most of you have probably not heard about. If you listen to the podcast, you've probably heard me tell Nathan to watch it 97 times, which I think he finally did. But who knows? It is an Italian film. And like Bong Joon-ho said at the Golden Globes last night, once you can overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. This film is from Matteo Garone. He directed it. He directed it, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, the 2008 movie Gamora, which is about people trying to, trying to fend off the creeping hands of organized crime. The writing in Dogman is astounding, and the story is so unique. The main character's performance in this movie is my favorite performance of the year. His name's Marcello Fonte. He plays a man named Marcello, which is great. But this has similar levels of anxiety that Uncut Gems does in, in certain scenes. It's not carried throughout, but it is... It's about this happy little guy's life who lives in kind of a, a suburb of Rome. It's right on the sea. It's falling apart. It's dilapidated. He's super nice with his neighbors. He's a dog washer. He's so gentle. He's a loving father. And he deals a little cocaine on the side. And that escalates into other things. And it just derails his entire life. And you see this kind man, kind of his descent into vengefulness and and just being bitter and it's so good. It's it's watching a man go from being a lap dog to you know a a, a attack dog. It's ugh, the character growth in this movie is amazing. The plot is enthralling as hell. It is a beautiful movie too. Matteo Garone is is so good at making beauty out of these dilapidated, rundown settings and these you know terrible things that are going on. But it looks beautiful. The the and the characters in this movie are just all acted so well i cannot say enough about this movie it's on amazon you can rent it i think you can rent it on youtube too also go and see the 2008 movie gamora like i said but dog man from the second i saw it this year i said it was probably going to be my number one it ended up in my number two i think it's just the main character's performance that just stuck with me so much i love that man and his performance in this movie astounded me
0: so you have been urging me to watch this movie for a very long time i watched it last week um Tonight is a night about positivity and loving things and sharing our happiness. And, like, we don't need to spend that much time on what I'm about to say. But uh, I'm really happy that you got so much from this movie because I found it to be infuriating. Oh. Um, we're, we're, we're all familiar with what uh, Lucy does to Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown mm-hmm. wants to play football. Mm-hmm. Lucy holds the football, mm-hmm. he runs, she mm-hmm. takes it away. Mm hmm. This movie was like watching that for an hour and a half. Oh
1: my god.
0: And let me just say that it hits a point where I, I I won't I won't say I'll checked out. Like I was still very much like I was watching, I was engaged,
1: but I I started hating the movie and I kind of didn't stop hating it. Well, thank you for tainting the one movie that I recommended to people who they probably hadn't heard of yet, Nathan. You but son of a bitch.
0: I think I think it's great that you and I have such different perspectives on this because oh my god. like I said, I'm I think it's hearing you talk about it there's so many things you're saying that I'm like you know what yeah I didn't really appreciate it oh, oh yeah that actually was pretty great and like such a kind man I think it's I think it's great that we can for for once on this episode we can bring some different opinions about a movie yeah. because we just agree about our love for stuff all the time
1: I hate you so much right now I'm filled but, uh, with, I'm filled with rage <laughs> I am overflowing with rage right now <laughs>
0: Speaking of overflowing, what do you say we eat our last sliders? I don't
1: want to at all. Fine, give it to me, but I'm eating it in my room with the door closed.
0: Our last sliders are the jalapeno roast beef slider. We're kind of bringing it back around. This is basically the same as our first slider with some uh, fire roasted jalapenos on it. Mine is very cheesy. I am very stuffed.
1: I'm so full. And I'm
0: ready to down this.
1: Good one bite. Mmm those fresh hollies? Those are hot. Those are good. Those are hot. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. I can't recall
0: any other sandwiches at Arby's that have diced jalapenos on it, but they should
1: they should employ this tactic more. This is good. This is hot, man. Oh. Yum. I got like a big pocket of them. They did not skin. Look at that. I wonder my mouth's on fire.
0: They empty the jar onto these sandwiches. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. My tongue is, wow. Ooh. Wow. Ooh.
1: We ended on a hot note. We are. Oof.
0: About to do our number ones. This is a very hot note.
1: Oh, it's just like my temper with Nathan right now. It's hot.
0: As the kids say these days, sandwich was fire.
1: Oh, my God. And you know what else is fire? I'm already so mad at you. Don't say that shit. Your number one movie? Is it Playing With Fire, the John Cena masterpiece that came out this year? My number one. Wait, 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 wait. Me, Are you going to guess them? Can I try to? Oh my
0: god, this again. You get three guesses. Okay. That's it. Okay. You're not running I, down the list. I,
1: just, I was going to ask for one. I just need three. Um, okay, so I'm going to say it is Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or Marriage Story.
0: Wrong, wrong, and wrong.
1: Right. Ooh, okay. Well, that... No, I'm just <laughs>
0: <laughs> My number one is Apollo 11.
1: Oh, yes, Nathan.
0: Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there, and bringing them safely back. You can feel it in here when it's on. Okay, I was like, the pillar's gone go. up. No, I don't know. I can go. Helcom, no. go. GNC, go. Econ, go. Surgeon, go. Captain, we're go for landing. You're go for landing, Helga.
2: I do, I Go for landing.
0: this is a documentary about the moon landing in 1969 if you're thinking i'm sure it's great and all but i don't really care about learning about the moon landing trust me i was right there with you before i saw this Mm -hmm. this is not subject matter that would typically pique my interest Mm -hmm. but this film completely floored me i'm talking jaw open start to finish Mm -hmm. let me walk you through what this film is Basically, there was a film crew documenting every single aspect of the Apollo mission, the moon landing. Mm-hmm. From mission control, to the people assembling the rocket, to the crowds of people watching in Houston, to the astronauts themselves, mm-hmm. who had handheld cameras inside the shuttle the whole time. Between all the cameras that were rolling, there were hundreds of hours on film and thousands of hours of audio recorded from everyone in mission control. Now, some of this footage has since been used in various documentaries and videos over the years, but most of the footage... For reasons completely unknown Mm -hmm. was lost Mm -hmm. and nothing ever came of it until two years ago, almost 50 years after the mission, when these boxes and boxes of 65 millimeter film, gorgeous film, were found in the National Archives. And the director of this film, Todd Douglas Miller, spent a year going through this footage and editing it into a 90 minute film that tells the story of the entire mission. There is no narration No interviews. Mm -hmm. It is not like any documentary that you have ever seen before. The footage completely speaks for itself. And the result is just astounding. Mm -hmm. It is the power of documentary filmmaking in basically its purest form. Mm -hmm. People throw around the phrase achievement in filmmaking Mm -hmm. sometimes. I can't think of a movie from this past year or really in any recent memory that deserves that kind of praise more than this. It is a monumental achievement in filmmaking. Mm -hmm. My first thought of watching it or really like my main thought of watching it because I never stopped thinking is how did they film this and not do anything with it? Yes. How did it become lost in the first place? Why is this not shown to every single student when they learn about this event? Mm -hmm. This movie was shot on film in 1969 and to see it in a theater projected in 4k is unlike anything I've ever seen before or will probably ever see again. Cause when you watch something in gorgeous high definition, Your brain has a hard time accepting that it was shot 50 years ago. I cannot explain how deep my respect is for every single person involved in making a mission like this happen in the first place. Because they barely had computers. Yes. You see people working through these equations literally rocket science by hand. Mm -hmm. And if they mess up, people will die. Even if you ignore the historical significance of this film, which there is so much just as a piece of art, just like a visual and sonic piece of art. It is so stunning because it was shot by so many different people with different types of cameras. Like in the credits, there's literally like 10 cinematographers credited. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone who held a camera is on that list, which you would think would not be a good way to put together a cohesive piece of art. Like clearly they just needed a lot of people filming because there was so much to film and they were more concerned with documentation than they were with like a cinematic vision but the end result is just one of the most cinematic things I've ever seen. And that has so much to do with the extraordinary editing mm-hmm. by Todd Douglas Miller. It is just awe-inspiring. Like, for an hour and a half, I believed in humanity in America. And not to get too dark, because we already have in this episode, but I have not felt those feelings in a long time. Yeah. Imagine if every major event in the world was documented like this. Think about what a rich record of history we would have to pass down to future generations. And like, a day will come when no one on Earth was alive when the moon landing happened. And it is just a gift to humanity that they have this film, Apollo 11, to look back on. I think that nothing comes close to it this year in terms of my experience at the cinema. And I I know, like, I I actually just got this movie as a Christmas gift on Blu-ray. And I know it's probably not going to, be anywhere near as great as my experience seeing on the big screen. I know that. And, like, I will say that this movie it's probably going to get nominated at the Oscars for Best mm-hmm. Documentary. And oftentimes, Absolutely. when movies get nominated for Best Documentary, they end up coming back to theaters for a while. Mm-hmm. So, please, if you're listening to this, keep your eyes peeled. Because if this comes back to theaters near you, it is a cannot- miss experience
1: it is a movie i told uh everyone to go see including my parents my grandparents my aunts and uncles all of my friends who probably aren't that into documentaries aren't that into space you're absolutely right it's just such a perfect snapshot of a period in time and it's the things that make you feel most american aren't even the the or like most proud of of the country doing something like this aren't like even the shots of the space people it's the space people (laughs) of the astronaut. there's some martians out there it's it's the shots of these normal people who are so excited to just see a rocket launch in a Macy's parking lot in in this time era when they all have they all have you know the the 60s outfits and cars and they're all just like this is incredible like what an amazing thing and it's these short little interviews and glimpses of just every sect and member of society that you can imagine is gathered together as one all just sending positive energy to this, to this thing that's about to blast off. There's no division. It's just it's incredibly moving. It's a beautiful movie, and you're absolutely right. Uh, everything you said is spot on. Again, this is in my honorable mentions because we even took the time to – I don't even remember what episode it's in, but we were doing a podcast episode on another movie, and we said – we had both just seen this, and we said, hold on. We need to talk about Apollo 11 for like 25 minutes because it is an amazing movie. An absolutely amazing movie. I'm very surprised that, I mean, it's your number one, but it makes sense because it's astounding in every aspect. Like, the fact, like, nobody knows that, some people do, but most people I know don't understand that the astronauts were filming on a handheld video camera on their trip mm-hmm. to the moon. And it's, like, fun footage. It's They're, like, being goofy around. in space. And, and one thing I will say, that and I immediately went and rented this movie, Netflix DVD for the moon, uh, the 1989 documentary that uses a ton of the same footage but is much more, on the spacecraft from the astronauts points of view with much more, um, handheld footage and interviews with them is called for all mankind. It's directed by Al Reinhardt, and it is equally as amazing. I wouldn't say it's as gorgeous, but it is a much more intimate look at the lives on the shuttle Mm -hmm. and the problems they ran into toilet issues, things like that. It's a, a very different film, but it's a lot of the same footage and it's used in such a different way. It's really an interesting contrast to that movie. If you can get your hands on that, um, it is probably streaming somewhere, I assume, for all mankind. But Apollo Eleven is is, I will say, the better movie. That is for sure. Um, but For All Mankind was a really fascinating watch after that, and really a nice compliment. But God, Apollo Eleven was so good. I remember me and you talking about that, and we were revved up to say the
0: least. <laughs> Speaking of being revved up, I cannot wait to hear you get revved up about your number one pick because I have no idea what it is. So do you want to take here. a guess? I don't oh, want to. Boy, I don't even want to I don't try. Want you to.
1: My number one movie of 2019 was a movie that I honestly felt was made for me. And that's going to sound probably off-keel for people who don't know what this movie is actually about. My number one movie is Jojo Rabbit.
2: He's Marshall Jojo. You're a top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today
0: you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, Ah! ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up.
2: I don't think I can do this. Was? Of course you can! When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books!
0: Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten year olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Uh, Hitler. I wish more of our young boys
1: had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> Did you know Jews can read each other's minds? But how would you know if you saw one? They could look just
2: like us. Hi. Ah! Ah! You know what I am? Say a Jew. Gesundheit.
1: I smile just thinking about it, Nathan. I have a huge smile on my face. Sam Rockwell is in it. My favorite actor. Taika Waititi, who's probably my favorite director and writer right now. Scarlett Johansson, the little boy, Roman Griffin Davis, does a phenomenal job. Thomas and Mackenzie, the, the girl in this, is great. Little Roman's friend, Archie, who is now my new cutest kid in the world, I think. So great. So great. But this movie is the it's my perfect tone. It is, it is sarcastic. It is ironic. It is the perfect amount of dry. And it's the, the ability for him to find humor in such a terrible historic setting and to make the evilness of that setting look so childish and idiotic is so perfect for what the world needs today I, I feel like this movie is on par with with it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood in the sense that we are in such a messed up world right now and this makes it so clear what the right side is and what the wrong side is and how dumb you have to be to be on the wrong side uh, in history and today and it's I know you had a very different experience in your theater watching this. And I think we had kind of an interaction where I I like to think that I made you see it a different way where it just frames, I guess, Nazism as, as, as just fascism as being so obviously the wrong choice. And so obviously only made for stupid people or AKA children, I guess, or stupid adults. But it just is, it's, it really moved me. It moved me in a way I didn't think I would be moved. And it's, it's a comedy at first, it's a it's a drama, though. It's got it's really emotional scenes, and the ending is just beautiful. The performances are all great. In 2018, I said I was going to be very excited for this movie in our top 10 episode, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I did, and I'm so glad that I saw it. And not a lot of people did see this movie. I think the marketing framed it in it. I think it's almost impossible to frame a movie like this in a in a clear way. It's a hard sell. It is, and it's, uh, you know, anytime there's a somebody playing Hitler in a movie in a comedic way, it's going to seem a little strange to a lot of people, but it is such a touching movie. The ending quote I touched on a lot when I did a Nimble News, it's it's from Real Key, it's, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, just keep going, no feeling is final. And this movie is just such a testament to, to humans' ability to cope with such terrible things, and to make right choices, and to move on, and to build bridges instead of walls and to just help people who you think are the enemy or who you think are the enemy just because they're different than you and to just set all that down and look and say, Oh shit, they're just a person like me. And it's, I think it's a message that the world really needs. It doesn't it in a funny way. And yet it's still so moving and impactful. And I absolutely love this movie. I think Taika Waititi is the cream of the crop right now. I honestly don't think anybody's doing what he's doing better. And I, I, cannot wait to see what he does next because everything he touches seems to turn gold
0: it's a it's a very sweet film mm. it's a very funny film it's has uh, got some very lovable characters
1: i mean sam rockwell in this movie is great rebel wilson's great alfie allen and sam rockwell's like pretty interesting relationship is one of my favorite things the subtlety there steven merchant oh it's just so good and taika as hitler is like a angsty Hitler, who you see his behavior is so childish because he plays, he's the imaginary childhood friend of a kid and it's, it's the only way you could buy into Hitler's. It's just, oh my God. I love this movie.
0: That is Jojo Rabbit and that is Kevin's number one. And, uh, I think these are two pretty darn good top tens. Hmm. I think that this is just show me more and more with every pick that this year was so good in terms of film. Yeah. something that I love. How about we run through our honorable mentions real Let's quick? Let's go. I'm gonna, Every other. I'm gonna run through mine then you run through yours. Okay. I'm gonna go like eleven through twenty-five. Okay. Okay. The Irishman, The Farewell, The King, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Knives Out, Rocket Man, I Lost My Body, Marriage Story, American Factory, Lego Movie Two, Honey Boy, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, Parasite, Dolomite is My Name, and The Dead Don't Die.
1: Oh, it made your honorable mentions, baby. Kevin, what are yours? Uh, my Eleven, uh, book Uh The rest are kind of out of order, so don't read into this too much. But Marriage Story, Honey Boy, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Last Black Man in San Francisco, The Laundry Mat on Netflix, The King on Netflix, Parasite, Her Smell, which was great, The Death of Dick Long, and Joker. There's some great ones in there. Oh, there's some good ones in there.
0: 2019 was a very solid year for film. Now, you and I both... When we do these top 10 episodes, you'd like to also outline our most disappointing movie of the year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not necessarily the worst movie, but the one that we were excited for and that really let us down. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was yours this year?
1: <sighs> I had a very hard time with this, Nathan. I had a very, very hard time. Uh, theres I, I kind of settled on two but for different reasons. Um, the first one that I wasn't that excited about, but it was a huge disappointment for me because it almost lost me, it did lose me the summer movie wager, was X-Men Dark Phoenix. Because <laughs> <laughs> I assumed it would at least do decently and it was a huge heaping pile of shit. Uh, absolute trash movie. <laughs> we have a full episode where we shit on that one for about 10 hours. I think it's about a 10 hour long episode.
0: That was a fun discussion. What was your other one?
1: <sighs> now this movie... I was very excited for it. I think you're going to share this with me. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't a bad movie. It was just a letdown. And that was Jordan Peele's Us.
0: Yeah, that's on my list as well. Yeah.
1: It was, you know, with Get Out, I had high hopes it would be mm-hmm. just as good. It was good. Lupita was phenomenal in it, along with a lot of the other cast. Um, <laughs> Tim, uh, Tim Heidecker, for one example. Yeah. Um, but just kind of fell flat. I walked out and I... I had to think on it for a while. I tried even defending it initially, and then I was like, it's it's just, there's not much there, I felt like, at the end.
0: Yeah, my uh, my expectations were sky high after Get Out. Honestly, one of my favorite movies, Get Out, is, and we have a whole episode where we <laughs> are oh. just sad about how let down we were by this film, so go back and listen to that if you're curious on our thoughts, but yeah. I also didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was let down by The Rise of Skywalker, but if I'm being honest, my expectations weren't even that high to begin with, because, like... I knew who was directing it. I could tell by the title alone that it was going to be just nonstop pandering. So like, I don't think I can call it my most disappointing because it honestly was not far off from what I expected. Sure. sure. However, a movie that I was pretty excited for and turned out to be quite bad was glass.
1: Oh yeah. I never saw it because you panned it so much to me.
0: It was the finale of like the unbreakable and split trilogy, both of which are great. And I thought that glass was just hot
1: garbage. Mm
0: I thought it was a very, very bad conclusion to this series And
1: I was so excited for that one, too. I was so amped. And you the way you talked about that movie literally made me not see a movie that I was like over the moon excited to see.
0: I mean, you know, see it someday. Like, it's worth having your own opinion about. But I just what I cannot get over is that, like, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, it was like this 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 vision, this idea of this trilogy. He snuck in a sequel to a a movie from 1999 Mm -hmm. and like. What an interesting idea, and how cool it would have been if if Glass had been like a, you know, a great conclusion. It would have been this awesome trilogy. But man, I Missed think it mark. was a bad movie. Man.
1: I will say one movie that I was medium excited about that was a complete letdown. Not even medium excited about, just a little excited about, mm-hmm. was Stuber. Ah, uh, yeah, I never actually got around to that. Either. I watched it like last week, and there are precisely four good lines in the movie. No more. Uh, it was so bad. Those four are great lines. Actually, some of the best jokes I've seen in a movie in a long time. But literally four lines.
0: I was very surprised that there ended up being like no... Like I
1: felt like there was a decent amount of buzz for that film
0: before it came out. You know thought the Kumail love? Yeah, yeah I, the guy. I love Kumail. But, uh, I like yeah, Batista, too. I he's heard,
1: great in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah,
0: and I ended up hearing like nothing about it after it's, it came out. It so.
1: doesn't deserve... I'm mad at myself for even bringing it up.
0: So on the end... Of these top 10 episodes
1: mm-hmm.
0: each year, or we have a tradition mm. where we predict what our favorite movie of the following year will be mm-hmm. based on no knowledge. I mean, you and I don't really even watch trailers. Yeah. We know nothing other than like title and poster and cast and that kind of thing. And we try to make completely uneducated guesses. Yes. A year ago, you and I sat down to guess what our favorite movie of 2019 would be. Mm-hmm. Your guess was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Which ended up high on your list. Thank you. I'm my guess, I know myself. My guess was us, oh. which was one of my most disappointing movies mm. of the year. So I do not have nearly as good foresight as you. No,
1: that's for sure.
0: Now we ate a lot of food this year, mm. along with our movies. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite entree on Fast Food Film Friends in 2019?
1: My favorite entree, shockingly, was from Arby's. Really? <laughs> and it was Arby's King's Hawaiian Big Kahuna, absolutely delightful. Huge fan of King's Hawaiian bread. Big fan of Arby's. They've got the meats. This was just a Hawaiian bun stacked with meats. And it was everything I want. I will give an honorable mention to Chick-fil-A dipping Sauces. Because that was a great episode yeah. in which I discovered a lot of my new favorite sauces. <laughs> which I've not gotten since. But... Still great.
0: So, if you can't figure out who this show is sponsored by yet, my favorite food was actually a different Arby's food oh. the bourbon barbecue barrel mm. stack sandwich. I was tasting. The King's Hawaiian was a very close cool second. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that Arby's is the current only member of the Fast Food Film Friends <laughs> Five Timers Hall of Fame. Yeah. They consistently put out great stuff. Well,
1: it's just new combinations of their all their meats <laughs> and all their breads with a few veggies or a twist of sauce. And we
0: will eat them every time. Sure will. What was your least favorite entree of 2019? I think we're
1: going to have the same one.
0: I think we have to.
1: Because there's no way it's anything else. <laughs> can, we, can we say it on three? Okay. Ready?
0: Three, three two, two, one.
1: one. Burger, Burger King crispy taco! taco! Oh, the worst food in the <laughs> world! This was a... Supposed to be crispy taco. Absolutely soggy. <laughs> supposed to be shredded cheese. A literal piece of craft craft Amer- American single <laughs> put in there... Cat food, what I assume was the meat, or literal cat meat. I can't be sure. The most appalling thing, and we've eaten some trash on this show. I was going to say, the bar is not that high. Easily the
0: worst thing we've ever had on this show. Are they still making them?
1: Are people still doing that? I have
0: no idea. I I would invite our listeners, if you haven't seen the picture of this, please go to our Instagram at Fast Food Film Friends. Scroll down until you see... Uh, A side-by-side pick, one half is a taco, the other half is like a a sheet of paper uh, from the side. It was the most
1: confusing item we ate this year. Oh, absolutely. I don't understand it. Nope. I don't want to understand it. No. It is a joke. It was so foul. I was so offended. And we had the Cheez-It pizza, we had the Subway sliders that were both, we had Red Lobster's little kids meal. We had the Starbucks Panini, which was bad. Very, Very bad.
0: So dry. Very
1: bad. And that taco was just horrible. Oh, my God. It is... that The quality of the grade of that meat, it looked like refried beans, but worse. I
0: don't think it was neat. No. I'm ready to leave that taco behind in 2019. Yeah. And I'm already looking ahead to 2020. Oh, yeah. You know, I was looking at, you know, some articles and most anticipated films of 2020 mm-hmm. today, and honestly... There's lots of like sequels and reboots I lots, really don't care about. Lots. Like, Ghostbusters, Venom, New Mutants, Halloween, Godzilla vs. Kong, like on The New Bond, No Time to Die, Fast and Furious Nine, which we're definitely gonna do on this show. God damn it. Birds of Prey, like there's so much stuff. And what's weird is like, and it's people have been talking about this for a long time now, that 2020 is going to be a drought at the box office because Disney, 2019 was like everything that avengers endgame star wars 9 Mm -hmm. lion king was like their biggest animated thing yet in years 2020 is going to be a bloodbath in terms of like this is the year that the box office numbers are going to bottom out hard yeah it's going to be a very 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 bad year of movies we'll see and and maybe there will be some smaller stuff that we really enjoy and like i can tell you that i'm i am looking forward to wonder woman 1984 yeah me too uh, a quiet place too. Very could be pretty good. Very much so. Actually pretty excited for the Cruella movie. It's got oh. Emma Stone. Oh yeah. Emma Thompson. Paul Walter Hauser. Yep. It's a really good cast. Paul that.
1: Walter Hauser is the perfect cast for yeah. that for that role. Yes, I have is. to say, like yeah. he was born to be that cartoon <laughs> man. Do you have any picks for things you're excited for? I'm very excited for um Tenet. Mm-hmm. The Chris new Christopher Nolan, Nolan then, movie yeah. I'm very excited for Promising Young Woman which I yes, saw a trailer yes. for I mm-hmm. can't remember which movie I was watching I'm very excited for Emma as well which is based on yeah. uh, a novel as well Top Gun Maverick I'm a huge oh, yeah. fan of Top Ooh. Gun based on
0: that teaser trailer that's gonna be a sight to behold I, in theaters.
1: I like can't I can't wait I can't wait I'm a huge fan of Top Gun I don't even know if it's sincere or ironic I can't tell it doesn't matter it doesn't I'm so excited Bill and Ted uh the new Bill and Ted could be good I'm i actually kind of excited about Ryan Reynolds' Free Guy. It, it looks pretty interesting. It looks interesting. like it's, it's, I mean, it's a cool concept. It is. Um, I'm a Bond guy, so No Time to Die is in there for me. Saint Maud, the new That's horror it. movie from A24, um, looks fucked up, uh, to say the least. And then I would say Downhill, the Julie, Louis-Dreyfus, Will Ferrell movie is right, going to be yeah. at least decently funny. Uh, and then the only other one that I recently saw the trailer for and I just saw Hamilton. So now I'm very excited for is In the Heights because mm-hmm, um, it looks and sounds very similar to Hamilton. And I feel like that's a great way for a musical to be translated to this big screen is to do it in that format instead of your typical musical. Very excited for that one. But I think predicting my favorite 2020 movie right now, I'm going to say Tenet.
0: Yeah. That
1: is right up there for me. I'm also extremely excited for Pixar's
0: Soul. Yes, Jamie Foxx, like I am a jazz too. musician. I just read that apparently Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are
1: involved in that, Trent which Reznor's... is so interesting. Yeah,
0: I think I'm making my my bet right now. 2020 all,
1: is it to all the boys? P.S. I love you.
0: The sequel. Um, I am excited to see that. We, we got to do an, we ep are on in it. <laughs> an episode on
1: that, no doubt.
0: My guess for my favorite movie of 2020 is Dune. And oh, is I, that coming out? It is. I know nothing about Dune. The book. The '80s movie. All I know, it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. He did Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. It stars Timothy Chalamet and Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson, Daya It is like it is a, a sci-fi world. And if this movie does well, they're planning to do more in this series. Who knows if it actually will, though? But that's just my blind guess. Yeah, I know nothing about this story, but basically based on the director and Timmy C, I think I'm going to love it.
1: I would have to agree. I think um, I'm gonna guess that it gets pushed to twenty twenty one. It's already in December of twenty twenty right now and this movie's seen some issues, uh, for decades and trying to be remade. I think it gets pushed to twenty twenty one.
0: It's quite possible. All I know is that we're gonna reconvene in a year and probably one of us will eat crow. Mm-hmm. We don't know who that will be. Like you did this year. Right. I did eat a lot of crow. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Is that what the, that slider right there I think definitely but, I mean, the was? Taco was definitely crow. Kevin I've had a lot of fun tonight.
1: I've had slightly less because you berated one of my choices and I want to murder you, but still all right.
0: I have done so much cramming watching great movies in the last month or two and... I'm
1: excited to watch some TV, even though I have no time because I'm already behind on 2020 movies.
0: I'm excited to... You know, I, I don't read as much as I should. I don't either. And I'm trying to read more this year. And the other day, you know what I thought to myself? I thought, it would be so nice if there was just like... All I need is like a monthly service where I can just like read whatever I want to, mm-hmm. flat cost. I'm not trying to pay for books.
1: Yeah. It's called a library. And I literally
0: drove past a library and remembered yeah. libraries. Yeah. I, uh,
1: I will say I got my library card last year and it is, uh, it's very nice. It's great. And you can get movies and video games too, which comes in handy, but I'll be doing that neat.
0: very soon. Books are neat. And, uh, <laughs> you can tune into some literary nimble news. Very soon. But until then, you can uh, check us out on the social medias on uh, Facebook, Fast Food Film Friends, Instagram at Fast Food Film Friends, Twitter at FFFF Podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of our episodes are available on Spotify, Mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm Pretty much wherever else you find your podcast, Anywhere
1: podcasts are. On Google. Just Google us. We're there. You can listen to us there. Number one. And if you like what you hear, the best way to give us some support is just to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Or also send us money. Uh, So do that too. Whatever you want to do. Buy us a sticker. No, buy yourself a sticker. We don't need stickers. We're, <laughs> drowned, we're drowning in these things. Uh, do whatever you want, but uh, support the show. Let Tell your friends about us. You know, Say, hey, do you have a spare four hours to listen to two guys talk about ten movies and seven sliders? And they're going to say no, and you say, you better make that time, because I've got a podcast for you.
0: And we'll be back soon with some possibly feline-related reviews. Oh, meow. And, uh, <laughs> until then, <laughs> farewell. farewell.